everybody, and welcome to episode 351 of Vigigame Apocalypse. 351! 351. I'm your host, Michael Raparis. Who else is joining me here in the mystical, magical, memorial studio of the airwaves? I am the man of the hour, uh, as it were, Chris Antista. And my games. Uh, Matthew, yes, Mr. Peanut deserved to die, and I hope he roasts in hell, Alan. <laughs> and special guest. Digital media proponent, I think, Greg Moore. You think? You're on this show. Oh, you better oh, be yeah. more we'll confident We'll get to that, that in a bit. More of Greg's wishy-washy bullshit. Commit, man. <laughs> more, well, Greg, more. This, this more, will be, Greg Moore. This will come up later, I think. It will. I'm glad you're here, Greg. Right, we have a lot to talk about. Glad uh, to be here. Yeah, mm. Thrilled to have you here. It's going to be a fun show. We are entering part three of our ongoing Games of the Decade series. Now, for those of you playing at home, we have not yet gotten to our top ten Games of the Decade. Oh, we haven't done that yet? We haven't yet gotten to our top ten Games of the Decade, which we will do next week. But this is the final... Free show, honorable I guess? mention. Yeah, yeah. This, we're getting top twenty-five people. The, the, and this the is top the, twenty-five. We've, yeah. we've, it's like we're recording before a vacation, even though we're doing this dynamically. Yes, yes, yes. sure. Dynamic, Our, uh, dynamic. Prove it. Is not the adjective I, I would have chosen. Yeah. As, as dynamic <laughs> as uh, three creaky X video game journals get. <laughs> I can prove it. R.I.P. Terry Jones. Who could have seen that coming? Uh, right? That's so sad. I think he was my favorite Python. Uh, he's, he's, he also wrote Labyrinth, which... That's right. That's off to oh, him man. for that. Yeah. Labyrinth is great. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that, that book about goblins, uh, with the, he wrote with, like, um, Brian Frude, I think his name was, the creature designer. Anyway. Correct. Yeah. Someone fact check Michael in the comments rudely. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so uh, the way that we've been doing this, if you've missed the last two weeks, is uh, we decided to do 25 games of the decade. And uh, rather than have a big to-do about winnowing down the list, we just each picked five, and I went first, and then Matt went second, and now it's Chris's turn with Chris's top five games of the decade that aren't the top ten games of the decade, which we'll do next week. <laughs> they're they're more they lean more personal, I will say, except for one of mine. One of mine, mm. um, you have no excuse. You should have voted for this, and you're wrong for not voting for it. So yeah. there. All right. So there. <laughs> I think I know which one you're talking about. And I, I will, know which one I'm talking about. I will about. never play it. Oh, no. is this the one that I would have also maybe agreed with? That? Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, but we will jump into those right after this. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. The Uber and Hyundai are planning flying taxis by 2023. Yeah. So if anybody's going to say, fuck you, well, I guess that guy's not an Uber anymore. Like the super toxic CEO guy. Oh, yeah. yeah but uh, but like if anybody, Uber has done that already. They have, have said like, well, fuck your regulations. Well, this is flying. Right? That's what I'm saying. Like flying. The, the flying cars flying. are a mess. Yeah. It's not just like when, oh my, when you build hell? cars, you build a road and traffic lights and signs. Yes. You know yes. what you don't worry about? Everything under the road. 
And <laughs> and when I'm walking down the street, mm-hmm. just on, on my merry way, I have about a zero percent chance of a car yes. flying out of the sky yes. and landing on me. You yes, know? when I'm, I'm being a, a disgusting fat way. fuck and eating a, a fucking drumstick and drinking a beer in a yeah. raft in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico, right. I shouldn't have to worry about a car hitting me, and now I do. When, now, a, when a car breaks down now, it's an ice door. When it breaks down <laughs> in the sky, <laughs> I mean, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. And we're back to talk about what? My personal uh, top five games of the decade that didn't get voted on by my colleagues who pretend to know shit, but don't. And Greg is an innocent here. He has nothing to do with this. this that's the best description. Oh, for the record, I probably wouldn't have picked any of yours. <laughs> no, I look, I got you, son. I got you. All right. <laughs> but these, but I also voted for other things that did make it in, but mm-hmm. these are more personal to me and, and, and in trying to elaborate on them. You're gonna hear it. Just I just don't I don't, don't want to overly monologue just because these are super important games that I feel are important to me and the things that I like. And uh, you might be able to guess what some of those are. So mm-hmm. why, why is am a, I introing this? This is a Chris ass because this you're is a very Chris. List. You're introing it because in a rare moment of generosity, I am actually handing control of this segment over to you. You are in the driver's seat. I have no idea what sounds you're going to play or what I you don't have, have planned. I don't have the numbers. Okay, so how about this? Everybody, back the fuck off. It's time for Chris Antista's definitive personal <laughs> top five games of the year. You can already see like Greg and Michael both editing that in my document. Can't be the definitive personal game, man. Can't do that. And here we go. Number five. It's not only the Scott Pilgrim theme, it is one of the best video game soundtracks ever forged by human beings. Yes, from Anamanaguchi. Oh, by Anamanaguchi. Anamanaguchi. And, and, and it's weird because Scott Pilgrim, I don't even know if I could call it like my favorite beat em up, maybe even of the decade. Um, because it's just, I haven't played as many as I would have liked to. Mm-hmm. But it just, it, it, it embodies a lot more than just, I don't know, the sum of its parts. We've all played this, right? Yes. Yeah. Scott Pilgrim yeah. versus the world, to push my glasses up on my nose for a second. Call in the game, you dickhead. <laughs> it is such a great throwback to River City Ransom at a time when River City Ransom had not yet made its big comeback. Like, in the last few years, we've had a few right. really good beat-em-ups from River City Ransom, but, but none... That had filled this niche in like a couple of decades. In the well, US. yeah, the, the company Technos had gone out of business in 1996, and there had been like fan made sequels and things that were almost picked up, and a GBA thing here or there. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, in 2010, like only only Castle Crashers can I think of, and that doesn't embody a lot of the same things as this as Scott Pilgrim the game does. And I I've only said that with like 30 years of hindsight. River City Ransom is one of I can't think of a game that's more ahead of its time because it was so confusing to me as a kid. But I play <laughs> mm-hmm. it now, and it's just like, is this an open world NES game? Yes. Yes. How the fuck do they do this? Very it's like, sort they... of a roguelike, also. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. With shops and people to talk to and dialogue, yeah, and like, like like worth catching. It's it's just it's just strange that this happened on the NES, and it was a little too much for my little kid brain who only wanted to run right to bear. Hmm. 
but it was super ahead of its time, and it's not something we were around the 2010s. I, I guess you could say like downloadable games were in full swing, but we didn't have shit like Steam Greenlight really, and we didn't have a like a glut of throwbacks. There had been a couple of throwbacks to things, but not so much to this particular genre. Since this, I don't want to be, let's say it became ubiquitous, but almost everybody who plays games has heard of this game. River City Ransom has come back. It had like it had something to point to that like yes. no people do like this, and you can pull this off in a modern way. And I, I, I've said that a bunch of times about games like that look like Scott Pilgrim. I love Paul Robertson. I love his artwork. I loved it before the game came out. I think you can see him in Adult Swim interstitials and <laughs> among mm-hmm, other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, it's he's like it's, developed quite a lot of deviant porn on his uh, yes his personal sites. <laughs> Yes, but it's like it's what it's what uh, 2D games would have looked like had polygons not reared their literally ugly heads and gave us that awkward huh. five years of hmm. pointy, pointy 3D objects. It's the it's like the 2D we never fully escalated to finally got realized in Scott Pilgrim. I, the the least reason that I like it is just we had um, I think we were still getting some games based on off movies, but like. Savvy gamers had learned to hate those, mm-hmm. and yep. this was one of the first. Like, not only like everyone's excited about it, panned out. It played great, uh, delivered on what it promised, and it was one of those few. Also, one of those few times when like uh, uh, I forget how old I am. Like, this game is great. Let's see what the world thinks. I'm like, ah, reviewers are younger than me now, so they don't. <laughs> so they don't care. It, it's, it's a little too hard and like repetitive for some people. But for like me and some of my friends, we love putting on like. Uh, what do you call it? Couch beat 'em ups all mm-hmm. the time. It's uh, and, and Scott Pilgrim is really, really great at that. I think it's one of the best uh, four player games, simultaneous games I can think of. Yeah, four player single screen beat 'em up RPG. And I remember, I still remember, I first heard about it. It uh, was made by Ubisoft. Uh, full disclosure, I do work for them. And uh, where's the game, Michael? But I think Brian Lee O'Malley like was talking about it on Twitter and said like, yeah, the the game is being made by uh, the same team that made. The TMNT game for Game Boy Advance, and mm-hmm. it was like, oh, what? What's that? The one good one. And then I played it, and it's like, oh, this is actually amazing. And if you've played Scott Pilgrim, and you go back to that TMNT, not Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but TMNT, it was another movie tie-in uh, game. It like, was also a different time when you had a Game Boy Advance game coming out against a Nintendo DS game yes. up against oh, a Nintendo Wii game and a 360 PS3 game, and they were all fucking different. Yes. <laughs> And I think I think the GBA version probably came out the best. It's still a lot of fun to play, and it looks a lot like Scott Pilgrim. Like the enemies have similar stances, uh, some of the the moves have a similar feel, and you, you can you can clearly see the DNA like what went into this that would become Scott Pilgrim. And it was also Scott Pilgrim was also really cool because it wasn't just a movie tie-in. It was mm-hmm. tied into the comics that the movies were based. The movie yeah, was based on, mm-hmm. and that like I was huge into those at the time. So it's like this is a realization of everything I want right now. Mm-hmm. And, there, uh, and th- th- yeah, that hits upon why I like Scott Pilgrim versus the world. The game, mm-hmm. the, the the two big reasons are the resurgence of, of beat 'em up throwbacks, and the other one was I know you can see Scott Pilgrim the movie as maybe a little cloying now, but like. You know, we didn't see a lot of like game representation, or at least not a lot of specificity. Yeah. Uh, and, and Scott Pilgrim, the comic, when Michael let me borrow it, was like a godsend. I, I fell in love with it immediately. And the the movie is I love like almost the same, but for different reasons. And the game is a worthy adaptation of both of them. Yeah. See, I think the reason maybe this was successful as a movie game uh, was it didn't try to recreate the movie so much to me as it 
it did a perfect job recreating the feeling of the movie. Like this isn't a game that's like we're gonna we're just going to map out the events of the movie. It's more like this is a game the characters in that movie would be playing because the movie is such an homage to this period in gaming. Because it's mm. like it's not like trying to recreate the period the movie was even supposed to take place in, right? Because the people in Scott yeah. Pilgrim like have an appreciation because, for classic because it's games. Canada and who can tell what year that yeah, was? Yeah, true. <laughs> but but also it it really is like. This is the the world of the comic book. This is these this is the way the characters were presented in the comic. Yeah. And it's like Paul Robertson doing an imitation of Brian Lee O'Malley's style, kind of putting his own spin on it yeah. as he animates it. Yeah. And yeah, it was it was a, a lot of fun and Yeah, it, well and, and more than that, one of the best game soundtracks ever, which yes. I bought, I don't want to say recently on vinyl, so like I'm of the belief that Ubisoft is not the holdout here, and Anamanaguchi are not the holdout. It's just, it's just you don't, you don't have to comment, Michael. It's fucking Universal. Universal does not care, does not want to re, re, like their logo is in the game. Uh, it's it's a it's a Universal Studios thingy mabob. Well, they just and, reorged their their games division, so yeah, that's probably so the maybe people who, the people and, and, who did this are responsible for this might not even be around at Universal. And, and the Mummy derezzed is like the best thing to come out of the entire Dark Universe saga. Yes. Uh, so let's hope that sticks oh, around. Oh, one film of it. Yeah. When you talk about them being holdouts, you're talking about the fact that it was delisted, right? Yes, it was delisted in mm-hmm. 2014. Yeah, you I can it, you can no longer play this game. Unless well, you already had it. Okay, yeah. So, like, it's it almost seems like sort of cruel fate that this is on your list, Chris, because you more than anyone else that I have ever known are this big proponent of digital, and this came up all the time where we used to work. Uh, it, and- it is, but 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 it's it's like I always said about shit like Marvel vs. Capcom, like it. It is a little miracle if you know about how these things are made and how they're licensed. Like you get it while you can. Like you know this is a temporary bond with Satan. <laughs> and 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 so the so the idea that Edgar Wright, Brian Lee O'Malley, Universal Studios, Anamanaguchi, Ubisoft can team up and like put aside like I don't know like making a game that's super marketable and like would have made thousands of dollars. They made this awesome thing, and 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 it made sense to Universal because they were marketing a movie. Now that they're not, and the movie was not a success. Also remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it and is, this all, is it kind of like in the same vein as Roger Rabbit, isn't it? And that's, well, that's, all, that's all and that, to me. To come together. That's that's the thing. Mm. It's the idea that like more than anything, Scott Pilgrim the game is a thing that celebrates games very well. Yep. yep. And yep. and the people they employed to make it make it seem like the best possible fan game that could ever exist. The best pixel artist, the best comedy games writer, des- like literally designing moves based on his characters. The best video game band all getting together with one of the best developer publishers to put out something that represents that was literally kind of like to market the movie and in in, in that sense it became kind of weirdly uncompromising <laughs> as a game because it, it is hard it's harder than yeah. you think it would be well also there was a mobile scott pilgrim versus the world game and that was oh. nothing like this because it was like it was more clearly based on the movie and it's just like this is a cheap marketing tie-in that might as well just be in flash it's like a bad punch-out clone with like yeah. michael Sarah's face who cares? Um, but but I, 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 I love the, the, the detail in uh, the Ubisoft Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Also, like for instance, when you kill enemies, they drop coins. But it's like I think based on Canadian currency, so you've got like oh, yeah. moose on them and stuff yeah. like that. You're just making me think of the mobile game where I had to drop a dollar to make Michael Sarah stop being so mopey all the time. Mm. Fucking microtransaction. <laughs> yeah. Cheer up, Michael. Is I thought he did a great job as a character, but I I love that they did not. Yeah. 
look anything like the people in the movie. That would just be one hurdle they'd have mm-hmm. to jump over again mm-hmm. to get this thing out. To trying to license fucking. I don't know, yeah. like and just Kieran just, Culkin's face. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining a dark universe version of this where all the characters look like Kevin McAllister from Super Nintendo Home Alone. But <laughs> <laughs> who am I kidding? Brie Larson, who was not like anywhere near, she was not an Oscar winner yet, but is in this wonderful movie. And Scott Pilgrim is a wonderful movie, and the game is equally wonderful. And at a time, I remember doing the podcast where, like, you know, we felt like the world didn't really understand gamers came this thing that, like, clearly understood all the references we liked about Scott Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what made the comic special, too. It's also why I'm sort of glad it's over, because the entire internet now feel, fills that void. Yeah. But, I don't know, It's this is a pleasant reminder of like uh, feeling like, I don't know, someone got me. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when we were only just finding out for the first time that we were a massive marketing demographic? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it took a little while, but uh, here we are. We made Dude, oh no no we're so, way past it now Chris here we were yeah, that, you're, you're, you're out of it buddy yeah, yeah. <laughs> that movie came out uh, it was like the week I moved back to America from like four years in Japan and I was visiting home in Virginia and I had two groups of friends one group wanted to go see The Expendables which came out that same time I remember <laughs> that and the other of group wanted Ubisoft to see Scott Pilgrim mm-hmm. <laughs> and I had been completely oblivious to both of these things and seeing Expendables and Scott Pilgrim back to back, it it just felt like, what's going on with our culture? <laughs> what, right. One of those things lived up to its namesake. Yeah. Didn't didn't yeah. didn't we do that? Didn't we go see Expendables and uh, Scott Pilgrim back to back? I don't like, remember. I feel like I, I wouldn't that, have seen Expendables otherwise. Yeah, or I feel like I wouldn't have seen uh, Scott Pilgrim without without everyone. Yeah, everyone from the GR team. Mm-hmm. It just yeah. felt like the Expendables was like was so no longer cool. All the stuff yeah. like they're trying to bring back all this stuff that used to be cool, and it was it was horrible. <laughs> and Scott Pilgrim was like, all the stuff that used to be the antithesis of cool is now cool. Yeah, yeah and, okay, and great. I had just come back and was like, Whoa, Expendables, like, Scott Pilgrim was like, do you like the 80s with a certain level of ironic detachment? And Expendables mm-hmm. was like, do you like 80s movies completely unironically? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was like, man, See, to me, one was like sincere. the movie with Michael Sarah, and the other is the movie of Michael Sarah's dad being disappointed in Michael Sarah. That, yeah. That's basically Expendables. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, OK Boomer, was... like years in advance. Like that's like OK Boomer the movie. I, I, really I have is. to imagine at some point this this game has to come out again. Brian Lee O'Malley has repeatedly, not repeatedly, but on a couple of occasions, says like I'm doing what I can. The game will see the light of day again. Mm. So and, I will and, say this: uh, I was under the misconception that this was a freak case where not only was it delisted, but you couldn't even re-download it if you owned it. No. That's not the case. So, well, I don't know actually. Actually, in this research I found there is a like a website devoted to the delisting of games that will give you those details. That oh, that's cool. Pulled up. Yeah. yeah, so th- this is a pleasant surprise. I got to re-download it today. I think Scott Pilgrim vs. the World and the Simpsons arcade game which came out not long after. Mm. They've both been delisted. They're both fantastic beat-em-ups. And I think also like Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, it wasn't just a straightforward beat 'em up. It had like all these secrets that you could find, these different yeah. paths, these different characters mm-hmm. that you could unlock, and there were like different endings depending on which character you finished it with, and uh, secret. Like you could fight Knives' dad, which I've still never been able to do. I forget what you have to do to make it happen. But Holy shit! I'm yeah, never and, able to and, pull and it off. 
Yeah, it got DLC like three years after the fact, which is like mm-hmm. it, it just shows you how small the on the like uh, digital marketplace yeah. was. You can play as Wallace now. Yeah, and and online multiplayer that yeah. al- it yeah, also yeah. happened. That was important. But I mean, almost nothing gets three years uh, DLC three years after the fact, unless you star a swear character. Mm. Um, but but <laughs> Scott Pilgrim versus the game uh, uh, versus the world, the game lovely and like. The perfect me kind of game. It's not something yeah. I expected all of us to vote for. I was kind of surprised too. It's, it, it was kind of like, are really this? Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. sure. I mean, yeah. I'm behind it, but feel it. It's more one of those like, well, I love it, but does everyone else love it? <laughs> it's it's wor- it's well worth playing, and it embodies something else that's super special to me personally, mm-hmm. and a very special time in my life. It feels, yeah. oh, it feels very laser time. It's a very laser time pick. Mm-hmm. I, I think if, if you're into game gaming culture, it's it seems weird to say now, but that. I mean, there weren't you, even like YouTubers back then. Like this, that's true. It, it was a, it was a market that had hadn't really been spoken to, and it was just I don't know. It was cool to see that someone uh, cared enough to want my dollar, and it was well, inexpensive. And beyond all of the stuff that the Scott Pilgrim brand brings, specifically, I think that it was an early example of uh, like what you were saying, like the what games would have evolved into if they kept going in two D. And I think for a lot of people that grew up. You know, like gaming in the '90s. Um, part of us kind of wanted to see that. Like, yeah. they kind of abandoned that track for 3D, and now modern games are kind of just an extension of like PS1 games, mm. or, or like an evolution mm-hmm. of PS1 games. But um, mm-hmm. like, if 2D games had kept going, you're right; they would look like Scott Pilgrim. And yeah, they, you can you can look at, you can look to like uh, late '90s Japanese arcade games that never came over here, where the genre lasted a little longer. Yeah. And it's like this is fucking beautiful. And like Scott Pilgrim is pretty much that, but I don't know. Like in this this weird Canadian American uh, alternate <laughs> universe, and it's it's a wonderful thing. And I'm glad we got it. And I think that that showed like the you know the strength of what digital could bring to the table. And it also for me uh, showed how Ubisoft, even though they were like one of you know one of the biggest AAA developers slash publishers, was also doing these cool smaller projects. And it just yeah. it showed the breadth of what they were bringing to the table. I thought it made Ubisoft stand out as a very cool... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pat yourself on the back, Dan. I will. Listen to that <laughs> shit. Yeah. I'm sure the kids out there are loving that we're calling Ubisoft cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it's great. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, shall we move on? We shall move on. Number four. How lovely is this fucking music, by the way? Pretty lovely. I feel like, I don't know why, but I feel like uh, I'm alone in my love for Super Mario Odyssey. No, I fucking love it, too. No, it's, it's a very good Mario game. I feel like it Would was you neck and neck look with uh, Breath of the Wild. Did you hear what for... Matt said? He's already slandering it right now. <laughs> it's a perfectly fine It's very Mario good. Game. It's very good. It's not my favorite Mario game. I as think... opposed to what? We're talking about the game of the decade as here. As opposed we're to about... the Mario game it followed up, which was Super Mario Galaxy 2, which was... <laughs> oh, come on. No, no, no. I, 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 have, I have nothing against Super Mario Galaxy 2. and I'm just the same way I have nothing against Super Mario 3D World. But that was really... You had an overworld map that you walked around here next to these bite-sized levels hovering in the middle of nowhere. This was fucking crazy. Like, I didn't even, like, it hadn't even really occurred to me that we had, like, when Nintendo Nintendo had to point out, yeah, we've only made two open-world Mario games, 64 and Sunshine. Like, I never thought of them as open-world. Hmm. And, and it's still sort of a cheat, but it but what it is, it's it's a much bigger Mario experience. And if you look at, like, how Nintendo had to 
talk about it behind the scenes or like uh, in, in its marketing, like it is not the casual Mario that had been selling well to, uh, to to audiences everywhere. This is not New Super Mario Brothers, which is the 2D game that everyone can get behind. Right. This is a little harder. And I've watched even kids in my life struggle with it because it requires a little more reading and a little more mastery of its controls. And and whereas I think even when Nintendo had done that with Mario, they do it after you were done with a super safe supermarket baby worlds and then you could get the hard stuff. Mario, Mario Super Mario Odyssey is, is kind of difficult right out of the gate. And not and not necessarily difficult, but like... I don't know. Did you ever go back to like that fucking first dinosaur world and see like there's all this hidden stuff you oh, couldn't yeah. really know yeah, was I mean, there? That's, that's the beauty. It does the same trick that Mario 64 did or Sunshine or the Galaxy games, which is you're, you're going to play through the level once and then you're going to realize there's like several different goals, uh, except yeah. with those games, it was always like, like five. You, oh, here's, here's the five stars or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this game, it was like hundreds of little secrets per level. It was like, oh, find yep. these this buried star over here and find this over here and it was like yeah, I want to say there there were 820 moons the, the rest moons, of which you could buy yeah. with coins another thing they got they got they like fuck dying like we get it you mm-hmm. failed yeah. so you lose five coins and you have thousands of them yeah. so it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> you will, matter you will never run out uh, but yeah, but yeah it, it, I, I love this the, the uniqueness of some of the side missions like in the desert world where like here go uh, chase this adorable little Shiba Inu and a cowboy hat around don't try try not to think too hard about why he has a visible butthole. Because uh, <laughs> well, they does. love putting in those visible buttholes. They, they really do. do. Yeah, Okami has it. Yeah. It's, I, and it's like, tradition. Like many great Mario games, like there's a lot of like weird lore that doesn't carry over from Mario game to Mario game, like the the people from uh, Sunshine that we've never seen since, right? Or like the human mm-hmm. beings from Odyssey, like the weird humans. And it, and it posed that question like, well, what is Mario then? Because he looks nothing like those human beings. Like mm. this game has some weird, like that quote unquote realistic looking dinosaur <laughs> compared to yeah. Mario. It's like this game has like so many weird unanswered questions, but it also has one of the greatest gaming moments in the past 10 years, which, see if you can guess it, Michael. The Donkey Kong tribute level. Oh, where yes. Yeah. The, new, the like, new, new Donk City in general is my yeah. favorite where, where level. Mayor Pauline is singing the song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it came up with uh, Mario finally got like a theme song with vocals. I'm assuming that it happened in Japan before, but not worldwide. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's a f- totally fun song. And I don't know. Like, I don't know. This it, New Donk City is kind of like one of my favorite levels of the decade, too. Well, now I'm, you're reminding me that, yes, the original Super Mario Brothers song does have lyrics, and they're really banal and strange. Oh, really? It's just like, uh, Mario, Yankee, da, 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 da. You could like, have made this up <laughs> if we paid you. Yeah. And, <laughs> it's just about, like, how Mario's happy and he's feeling good. And like, It's no Captain Lou singing. No. Do the Mario! No. Do the Mario. Uh, if you want me to, to ruin, ruin the you die. jump up. Jump, jump up, superstar. Jump up, superstar. Yep. You want me to ruin that for you? If this game was made 15 years ago, that would have been the Cherry Pop and Daddies performing Jump oh, Up, superstar. Oh, gross. <laughs> oh, change their name to the Moon Pop and Daddies. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I did that like 120 times and never got tired of like like 800 times. Never got tired of getting new moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, there's so much to do. There's like every single type of game type, and yeah, like I said, it hadn't really occurred to me that only two Mario games had been sort of working in the uh, open world frame. Type. This isn't a totally open world game. They're more like giant open levels. But usually in open world games, we don't actually 
get to do that much. We kind of get to drive and shoot and maybe hang glide. Mm -hmm. And this had so many different level types. The idea of Cappy possessing different things in the environment, you just, it takes you a while to train yourself like, oh, I can throw my hat on a fucking scooter or uh, a letter or one of these human beings and then I can pilot his race car, his RC car. Yeah. To get another moon, and it, it's There's... like it's it it has two functions. Like number one, like it's key to solving puzzles that will get you moons. But on the other, it's fun to just like wander through a level. And it's like, what can I control here? How does it yeah. change the gameplay? It, it's also the only way I can think of to uh, expand upon the platforming genre and and to really yes. like evolve it. Right? Is like because you can only okay, I can jump with Mario yeah. so many times, regardless of like his powers or the trick. But it's like, well, what if we made you this? the caterpillar character and you have to, to wind your body amongst these platforms and try to figure out how to get there and collect all of the, the moons that you see along the way. And see, stuff. You don't have to try that hard to evolve the platforming genre, dude. Like two words. Yes. Triple ahead. jump. Triple jump. <laughs> Which, triple well, they already, jump. They already did Mario, that in Mario Jumping Flash. It, oh, you're right. Yeah. He does. Damn it. <laughs> Donkey Kong 94 did that. Um, <laughs> but, but the other stuff, the cap stuff, like if you – I'm serious. Go watch some advanced plays. Some of the funniest videos I saw people dig through was like all the ways they could – what they assume break the level with Cappy because he like he adds a different kind of double jump, like a distance-based mm, yeah, double yeah, jump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and – um, and then you, you, you watch these guys on YouTube try for like four hours to like get to the top of this roof. We're gonna break this, get out of the level. And then you see like Nintendo's left coins up there for you. Like, I hats off. Yeah, Literally, yeah. you found it. We saw you um, coming. Yeah, yeah. We saw you coming. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just like I, I think what we take for granted is not that the platformer isn't marketable. It's that it's hard. It's very hard to make mm-hmm. games like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, where, I mean, it's mostly physics. Yeah. And as opposed to like aim and shooting you know speaking of take for granted um this was the first time in a long while we had a mario game launch in the same year as its system yep like yep almost forever yeah and that and zelda same year like it's one of the things that made the switch a success from the start like because nintendo had to do it because the wii u the wii u was the wii u and so nintendo's like well fuck all right uh gotta pull out all the stops 2017 here we go yep yeah, and kind of like I guess everyone assumed they'd get their like I don't want to say cheap 2D Mario that all the families will love, but they like yeah they gave uh, the older fans something they could really really like like sink their teeth into. And there's a lot of game here. Mm-hmm. I played it for almost as much as I did Breath of the Wild, and that's that should seem insane because Mario mm-hmm. games are never that big, but this one was. Yeah. and and you probably have shit left to do on it as we speak. It's- you don't have a thousand moons like I do. Fucking, not, it's on my Instagram somewhere. It's I haven't immense. even played and, it yet. Yeah. What? what? Oh no, you I gotta know. play it, man. Yeah, I only got a, I only got a Switch in August, and I got a lot yeah. of catching up to do. Oh yeah, you do. clearly, yeah. This and Breath of the Wild are like the two must plays. But like, I'm not sure. Like, have you ever played a game like this where you can just like possess anything other than like? Uh, space Station Silicon Valley Geist was yeah. Geist. Geist. Oh yeah, yeah, you could kind of do that in Geist. No, no, and, and 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 but not not to where it was actually fun. Because mm. I think stacking. a lot of games that that try and do that, oh, like, yeah, I, but yeah, I stacking stacking was fun. Yeah, yeah, totally. But but still, like like this this was a ton of fun. Like yeah. cause they were always like, and just because I don't know, Nintendo's so good at stuff like this, yet rarely make something like this. And it there's a lot of stuff in here that I could go into in like granular detail. Like, what the fuck has Nintendo's been about doing something like this for so long? What were they holding out on? What, they, 
why do they have to take Mario so seriously? <laughs> and then and then if you remember, like, you know, if you're on social media, they had these portals you could find to other worlds, but like not everybody's portals were the same. So you could catch glimpses of worlds at different times oh, yeah. that you were like hours away from going to. Forgot and, about that. You know, for the first week, like people are like, what the fuck is I swear I saw uh Princess Princess Peach's Castle from sixty four, but I couldn't touch it. Um interesting like like i don't know it all culminated into something like really really fun i i swear i had one of the best times with the screen grab button because mario is like i think it's easy to say he's more articulated than ever there are like a billion ways to die so mario has more death animations than ever mm-hmm. there's lots of cute Lava, cake too. batter something's gonna and, get him and how many of us made pagliacci jokes with the black and white filter and the clown costume <laughs> right, he had a mafia head. I made a whole video uh, called uh, "Smoother Mario Odyssey." Yeah, I remember featuring Rob Tom. Ta- like, Rob Sa- pulled from Facebook. <laughs> Indeed, it did because it was a uh, smooth with Mario dancing to smooth. Because right. it, like it's, it doesn't even have a video editor. It's just you, things, ways you can dress up and fuck around. And it's fan service this time. The only thing that was really hard about it, and I thought this is just the perfect matchup, was getting enough coins to get these outfits because that's. You can finish off the gameplay and kind of relax, but if you want to unlock these outfits, which are really for like only the most hardcore yeah. Mario fan, they're here's here he is from the cover of Grand the Japanese Famicom cover of Grand Prix. You can buy that outfit. Weren't some DLC too? Like they they came out post launch where they released some. That- I've never touched it. Yeah, there, there's 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 the Luigi uh, balloon game. Oh yeah, and there's it has some Labo functionality that I. I have never met a human being oh, who's tried. That's right, but like, like all almost all first party Nintendo games got something like that, and I haven't heard word one from them. Let us know, Labo fans. <laughs> uh, but oh, by the way, fun yeah. fact, Japanese fact: Labo is just what they call labs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it comes from the word laboratory. <laughs> I, I can't tell if Greg's joking or not. I'm he's not. Trying. I'm actually mm-hmm. serious. Yes. Yeah, no, he's, that's true. I looked it up. Yeah, but just like I, I, I do love that Matt pointed out this came out the same year as Zelda because it was like the Nintendo platform was clearly not going to behave like a, like an Xbox or a PlayStation and had no interest in that. And it showed you, well, here's an experience that you're not likely to match on those systems and you yeah. still can't. There's still nothing like uh, Mario Odyssey on either platform. And it's weird. I wonder Why not? if the reason they only pull this version of Mario about like once every 10 years or so, because even remember, like the, the gap between Galaxy 1 and 2 was huge. One was basically toward the beginning of the Wii life cycle and one was like almost at the very, very end of it to the point where I, I think a lot of people didn't play Galaxy 2. Mm-hmm. But like, I just wonder if it's like they just know like this is something that people only really do appreciate every 10 years. And if we pull it out more often than that, they'll kind of get tired of it. It's, you know, it's, and I'm okay with, if that's the answer, if it's just like, yeah, we just kind of found that people like these well, games I'm, once I'm every 10 years, you know? But, but, but uh, if legend is to be believed, well, the true part is Mario is the most recognized game IP in the universe. Mm-hmm. It just is. And uh, his games are very, so they tend to focus on games that are very, very playable for a broad audience. And I was pretty, sh- I you know, I, I was seeing somebody, and she had a like an eight year old daughter, and I'd have to like come over and like get through a level four because it was like legit. This is legit hard, and it was kids who were weaned on Mario sixty four who have nostalgia for this type of Mario game specifically. I never really thought of them as completely separate from the two D Mario's, but there's been so much of that represented in the twenty tens that that's why this I don't know shine through like a little bit of a gods godsend because it's. Nintendo kind of taking a loss. 
in order to please people like me. Hmm. And you know, I have a couple of friends who still hold out on it. It looks looks like Sonic Adventure. I'm like, you judge this from one trailer? What are you ten? <laughs> you buy games with your lunch money? Yes. Play this fucking game. I think the other reason maybe they only pull this out so often is there's so much Mario outside of this because it doesn't feel like it's been that long between Mario games because there's Mario Kart, Mario Tennis, yeah. Mario Party, and mm-hmm. it's like if you're if you're thinking of the Mario brand overall, yeah, you do kind of want to protect that character and not say okay, we're going to do you know, mainline Mario game every four years and this other stuff on top because maybe that would oversaturate. I, I'm trying to think of an explanation that I can't really think of a great reason for. I, I think it's expensive. I think, like, because looking at how like how many people developed this and, like, it, you know, it was four or five years in development, like, it can't be turned around as fast as a Mario Party or, again, new Super Mario Brothers. I feel like I really thought with Mario Maker, like, you can't release these every two years anymore. We're, we see through this formula... It's too easy for you to make these, I'm saying. Um, but just that, just that Mario sort of does need to be something else. Because, like, you know, and sometimes I'm like, what's the difference between a new Super Mario Brothers game and a Kirby game? Kirby's been mostly a 2D platformer for, like, forever. Hell yeah. And, and so, like, what's the real difference here? Like, you need to distinguish one of these characters a little more because they should live in distinctive genres and 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 Mario does now and I've really I don't know thoroughly appreciated this game I think you're a fool if you have a switch and haven't touched this yet but if you're like Greg and just bought one I never thought you'd have this many options on the switch to be honest <laughs> dude yeah. I don't I don't know I don't know how the, I I don't know I I don't want to see this game struggle because there's so many cheap things to play on the Switch, and they'll never drop the price on this below like 45 bucks. Do you think but, they are going to do the cappy trick again if they do make another one of these? Like, so, I hope they do. Because sometimes doing they go Zelda's. back. Like Galaxy, they went back to the well, and they, they said, okay, we're going to do the planet thing again. But like Sunshine, they never they never went back and, and did the water thing again. I would have – like if they, said, if they said they'd make DLC with just two new levels, I'd be ecstatic. So to, to do a – what Mario Galaxy 2 was, which is a bit of a 1.5. You could see it was a bit of a quick turnaround, mm-hmm. an easier turnaround, not something designed from scratch. I'd be perfectly happy with that. And they're already doing it with Zelda. So why the fuck not as we play ping pong? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Drop, sounded like. Dropped the tequila cap. <laughs> Ooh, but I do, you know, I think that the, the sunshine conceit was really polarizing. A lot of people were like, eh, it's not a real Mario game. Uh, but it seems uh, yeah. like this... Mario a janitor. I don't understand. Well, that's right. The internet existed when mm-hmm. Sunshine mm-hmm. came out, mm-hmm. right? It seems like the demonic those... hat thing though was pretty well received. Like... Right. <laughs> I think those those people are both wrong and right in that the cap is a much better power to give Mario rather than he did. There's something something about him. It's like putting Sonic in a car that makes him feel slower hmm. and less capable. <laughs> like the flood pack sort of did that with Mario, but it was a different type of game, and it's beautiful. That's why the first I really, I hope, I hope they remaster it before they did a Odyssey 1.5. I really do. That would be nice. Sunshine. I feel like it, it holds a similar place to like Super Mario Bros. Two in like where they just it's kind of the redheaded stepchild of, mm. of the Mario universe for Nintendo. Well, I think, like, like Greg said, it's that like well, I mean. I don't have an articulate way to say this, but it feels mind blowing. Mind blowing to me because when I was playing it, I just like really, I really felt the word play meant something. Mm. Just that like minimal cutscenes and like I never really stopped moving, and 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 I'm always sort of accomplishing things on accident. There's like it, there's, it's really hard to have a bad time in this game because it like I don't know it takes sandbox to a much different degree. 
by uh, making these smaller open world areas uh, times eight or nine. And I, I really, really appreciated it. I just like I felt like I was really playing something rather than watching something. And no, no, no cutscenes of any kind. And Mario Sunshine is fucking inundated with that shit, and it's ridiculous, making me care about Isle of Delphine. Come on, why is everyone talking all the Come time? On. Yeah, why is everyone talking all the time? Let me out. Let me stomp your wildlife to death, and and be a Mario. And then hose and, it uh, off afterwards. Mm-hmm. Clean. Clean up the smear I left behind. Yeah. This is great. Everyone should play it. I cannot believe I talked this long about it. All right. Yeah. Shall we, we move on? We should move on to yeah. number three. <laughs> and this 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 falls a little bit in the Scott Pilgrim realm mm-hmm. for me. Okay. Um, in, in that it is a celebration of something I like, but celebrating gaming is something we all like. I think if you're into like a sh- like Michael. I think when we met, he had like sort of dug interesting aspects of history. So before he ever worked at Ubisoft, Assassin's Creed really blew his fucking skirt. Oh yeah, absolutely. You had, you had like a, a very competent game that fed into your outside of gaming niche, and that's if you, if you've listened to the show, I'm very much into old school animation, and I thought I was the most into old school animation until I found uh, what studio eight, I forget their name DHR uh, who were like MDMA it, uh, people would call it like a, a Disney animated game I'm like um, 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 I works if anything it's yeah. mostly the Fleischer Brothers yeah I would have got um, with Fleischer and, Gabe uh, but, but it's, it looks a lot like what um, I works did after he left Disney and made a bunch of more ribald and Boo-soaked uh, cartoons. Flip the Frog, anyone? It's okay. It's it's okay. They don't sell them anywhere, and they're not that great. But a little bit of nudity. Anyway, uh, but, but like to take something you really, really love. Like, I just... I imagine this is how, like, people who like the NBA feel every year when MB2, <laughs> NBA 2K comes out. Uh, to just celebrate something uh, you like, this genre, and it just... It sort of blew my mind with how much animation and games had in common with one another. How... Certain boss fights and gags work better in threes. Like, just sort of blew my mind. It fucking blew my mind. These old cartoons would always do something like two or three times in a cycle. And that's how most of Cuphead's boss battles work. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I love that, like, no matter what kind of TV you have or rig that you have, like, this thing has, to, these things have to move at 24 frames a second to match old school animation. And, uh, and it's, it, I believe the process of making it was, oh, like, oh, I know they sold cells. I just don't think I don't think they use cells for Cuphead. But they, no. I think they drew the characters like you would draw uh, an old animated character, a little more so than the your tweaks and tweens mm-hmm. of a modern two D animation. Yeah. And we just haven't really seen something like uh, that was comfortable enough, uh, being such an homage to animation that it would lower the frame rate of the gameplay to more match what it was being an homage to mm-hmm. and the the backgrounds are these glorious watercolor paintings that look so fucking good so like most of you i already love this game without ever having played it and then you play it and it's like this is hard as fuck yeah this is <laughs> well this is hard like, as fuck. This- it was a, a weird thing during its development that like they came out with the news like it's basically just going to be a boss rush yeah. game. Yeah, people and, were, were upset about and, that. Yeah, and I think people were like, I don't want to just play a boss rush. Like, make some levels. And they made yeah. some levels, and they are so clearly afterthoughts that, like, <laughs> this is actually the worst part of this game. Now, I, I, don't know, I don't know that they're afterthoughts. They're, they're, because they're I still have the op- good, but... I have the opposite reaction of a lot of people. I think this is 
just as good or bad as several post-Super Nintendo Contra games. Mm. But you, you will die in like two hits if you're not careful. And it just, it just doesn't look like it's moving that fast. But it is a Contra game. But because I'm liking so much what I'm seeing, I never felt I never felt frustrated when dying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could always I always got a clear sense of well that was my my timing I was a little off mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I never got mad, and to, to this day I have two things like this, and this is maybe an adult thing. Do any of you guys have this? Because usually when you're a fan of something, I tore it apart and played it a billion times. Uh, I this in like the new season of Mystery Science Theater, I left one episode for myself to watch. At, in case of an emergency. In Cuphead, I just, I've never felt like finishing. I felt like uh, going back and perfecting stuff. And like, I I loaded up every few months, play for 20 minutes, and I'm perfectly happy and, and, and just total bliss. Whereas, I yes, I have heard people describe the difficulty as being uh, frustrating, but it never has been for me because I always appreciate what's happening. I don't think uh, I've made it past that stupid dragon, to be honest. The dragon's the hardest boss. Really? Yeah, he's okay. the hardest boss. Well, I feel I, I feel less bad about it now. Uh, well, I guess and, but, I guess the final boss, because he has a lot of stages and waves, is pretty tough you, too. But the dragon, and you know, you know that because the announcer introduces it as "Good day for a swell battle." <laughs> it's a swell. I love that they kept everything consistent. With this 1930s sort of animation, uh, oh uh, my god! Even down, do you have a, a clip of the shopkeeper and just the terrible audio? Yes, of that shopkeeper? I don't have a clip, but I know what you're talking about. Yes, <laughs> he's, he's he's like yeah. a pig or something, right? And he's just like mm-hmm. he just it's the, the just it sounds like someone put the audio through a grinder. He's you know he's talking, he's like brah, brah, and you're like Jesus, this hurts my ears. <laughs> and it, it, I I've I've only learned from like being around animation that it's like kind of really hard to go back and make something this lo-fi but you gotta contact like real jazz musicians and like can you can you not can you ignore everything you've learned over the past 70 years and go back and play something <laughs> like well super simple first you're gonna have to listen to me talk about miles davis for at least two hours <laughs> but this, i don't know this this to me is glorious it's a perfectly straightforward game that anyone can understand and i like that the world is a little nicer to hard games now I think they were a little shocked given Cuphead's pleasant veneer that it was going to be this ball shattering. But, uh, and I was too, but I thoroughly appreciate it and I never get tired of playing it. I, I think I own it on every platform now, including wow. Tesla. Interesting. And, and not that that was, I had that in my notes, not the Tesla. Elon Musk was such a huge fan, and I know half of our audience now has their fists clenched uh, yeah. at Musk. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, but I'd like that, to play it while I'm driving. <laughs> oh, while I'm not driving, the one game you should not play while driving. You shouldn't play any game while driving. Well, I mean, but this uh, one you can't play it while driving. You can play it while parked. Yeah. Ah, okay. Um, but yeah, it's it's an exclusive to the Tesla. I guess to our uh, millionaire listeners out there, this please a be a patron thing. if you have a Tesla that can play it's, Cuphead. It's playable I mean, in Tesla. I haven't yes. been able to get find it for my Scion yet, so I'm guessing yes, it's probably exclusive <laughs> to Tesla. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, Cuphead is something, it, I love saying it, it's something everyone should play, and I think you're pretty close to having no excuse. Uh, it, it just has to, is it hitting PS4? It's on Game so. Pass already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's on Game Pass, it uh, it's on, on Switch. It might be on PC Game Pass, too? Is it on the PC? Yeah, it's, yeah, on, it's, on, it's definitely on PC, and it was never more than $20, so it's, yeah. it's if you like any of the shit that I'm talking about, like... That's a, Greg brought up Who Framed Roger Rabbit earlier, but I had it written down for this. This is a celebration of a certain era of animation that we haven't seen in games before. I mean, you see someone like care about something you care about so specifically, unlike Scott Pilgrim, which was 
the entire culture represented well. Mm-hmm. It just feels really nice and like, ah, this is for me. And, and, and because they made something so specifically for me, I'll never, ever tire of singing Cuphead's praises. It- it's such an odd marriage, though, because it's like this classic gameplay, like like you were saying, like it totally reminds us of like a Contra married with this. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I grew up for some reason. There was a lot of old animation like on Disney Channel and just like I, I feel like I saw a lot of 30s and 40s. Or if, you did, if you did all your video shopping at truck stops like my parents <laughs> did for Christmas, so, like you just a lot of public domain cartoons. That's the thing. And so I was like familiar with all these cartoons where it's it wasn't like alien to me. I'm like, oh, I totally recognize that style. And for some reason, the, this marriage of those cartoons with that nostalgic mm. gameplay feels familiar when it's not. Nothing had ever done it before Cuphead, right? Like, yeah. those things never went together. Yeah. Think, and oh, think, maybe, like, one make a Mickey Mania level. <laughs> Thinking about it, in my case, like, I probably saw a lot of these because uh, I grew up in the era like, Hey, kids, He-Man hasn't been invented yet. Here's the locally produced public domain children's 15 minutes. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> yes, I remember that was my only complaint about Stranger Things. They're like watching Bugs Bunny with a rabbit ear antenna, and it's just like, nah, dude, you were watching like Heckle and Jekyll or some public domain horseshit because mm-hmm. that was that was rich kid cable stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Couldn't watch no Disney cartoons in the early Had 80s. Had to get Nickelodeon when they were running Looney Tunes and see the uh, those regrettable Bosco shorts. I, I never get tired of playing that promo where they're like, hey, we got rid of Bosco. <laughs> we got new Looney Tunes. And then the, the narrator goes, sorry, Bosco. And they just throw him down a hole. And you never, and we never had to watch a Bosco cartoon on Nickelodeon again. Wow. The only character who had to have his appearance completely redone in order to appear on Animaniacs. That wasn't Bosco. That was Bosco. It was. Who am I thinking of? The Honey or well, no, never mind. There were other. There were Tiny Tunes. There were other. Yeah, tiny well, tunes. was it Bosco's girlfriend was like uh, discovered by? Uh, was it Tiny Tunes? Maybe like Babs no, Bunny. Well, tiny Tunes that like a female. Uh, they tune. did. They did a, a, a look alike, um, mm. but it was essentially Bosco. Yeah. But I think Animaniacs did a specific Bosco thing. You're right. Mm-hmm. Got confused. It happens, but like, it, but yeah, it sort of reminded me of um, you know being a kid and like really liking a new cartoon on television. Like, oh shit, Ducktales, Tiny Toons, and they have great games. And we have, I don't know about you, but I haven't really felt that about a lot of uh, cartoon until recently, where Cartoon Network is putting out some really fucking pretty fantastic uh, stuff. I don't know. Kids kind of got shitty games for the the cartoons that they liked, and, and this and we ne- we were denied something that looked like this as a result. Yep, Cuphead. Oh well, yeah, but uh, no, Cuphead, Cuphead was fantastic and still is fantastic Very and good. continues to be fantastic on new mm-hmm. console after console. That's right. Yeah, and great to play together. Another one of those similar to like a River City Ransom mm-hmm. or a Scott mm-hmm. Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. It's a great uh, local co op game. Yeah, bring your pal Mugman. Ah, he's Cartman. Yeah, I read. I read on the wiki. They they said they were trying to break the record of like uh, bosses in a game like this. Jesus, and that was their goal because it was only twenty five, only twenty five bosses. But when you see Cuphead's boss, it's like shit. This probably took months, Hmm. and it did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Anyway. Anyway, let's move along to number two. Yes. God, I'm glad Greg is here for oh, this. Oh man, this I is definitely. I think this this should be on a best of the decade list, and certainly, like when this came out, I said it was Capcom's best game of all time. Yeah, I think I think sales wise, it it almost like reflected that. 
Because yeah. it, 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 did, it did Japan business like it was going to do anyway, but mm-hmm. like this long, hard like endeavor of trying to sell it in the West paid the fuck off big time. This is the part of the show where I throw my co-host under the bus and say, this would have made our list because Chris and I love it so much. If not for one man sitting across from me, giving me the double birds. <laughs> so Michael, are you, are you not into it or you just have, I, I just, it? it has never caught on with me. I've tried to play it many times and I'm just like, I don't think this is for me. Yeah. You're not anti this game. I no, think it's you, not that I dislike you, it. You recognize what we appreciate about it. It's yeah. just no. My, my my any any perceived venom I might have for this game is just is purely a reaction to you guys saying like, "Oh, you're so wrong for not liking this." <laughs> no, but, you know what? But it is? It's, it's it's really just like. Eh. You know why we say that is we all used to have that reaction to Monster Hunter, mm-hmm, and right. it just takes the right Monster Hunter game, M- Monster Hunter, <laughs> mm-hmm. Monster Hunter game to right. make you realize how wrong you've been. Mm-hmm. Like this is the game that won me over, and Very I was like, true. "Oh, this is what all the Monster Hunter weirdos have been loving all this time." Because, like well, but, but this mm. got rid of all the bullshit that the other games. Well, had. And, that, and that's that's well, part of the reason, the like the. the <laughs> It got rid of precisely enough bullshit to succeed. Yeah, some West. of the bullshit you you need in order to be what it is. Like if you can't have if you if if you just start putting on like auto heal and well, <laughs> it just I, becomes I, every other I game. I think there's plenty they could they could trim away yet. But so do I. Um, but, but I, it's, I think it's they, they had a well. But that's the thing because part of the the thing about Monster Hunter is that it had been hampered by time and tradition up until. Literally, Monster Hunter. What is it? The X or World. what was on Switch? No, <laughs> well, the, four, the, four the, Monster Hunter four uh, Ultimate. The one after four. That was like uh, I forget what it was. Uh, generations. Like it was. You are playing no, no, a game based a on, based built on PS two bones. I think you're talking about four Ultimate. Four Ultimate's the one we. No, got. I'm not talking about four Ultimate. I'm talking about the one that's on the Switch. And, yes. uh, oh, and, that, okay, that is and, uh, double cross, it, it, dude. That you are playing a game. That for weird reasons is based on architecture from like the early 2000s in the, the 2015s. It never looked great, Monster Hunter, ever, because it, it found its audience by, I don't know, somebody, some person with a Hail Mary, like adapting this, this like not played at all PS2 game into a PSP game that it really dug its fingers into, uh, into Japan. And, uh, and, and then I think that they had some exclusive deal with Nintendo, which kept it on 3DS hardware. It kept the game looking pretty shitty. That's some, like, if, if you're, if you're looking at old mechanics on top of a really old looking visual interface, yeah, it didn't do the game any favors. But when you could, when you had someone like, uh, Yuri, our buddy Yuri, uh, for, with Greg and I to Sherpa you through some of that stuff and make more sense of it, like, Monster Hunter has a lot more going on under the hood in a way that's, like, genuinely fun towards gameplay mm. in a way that I think, games completely forgot about i think the dark souls gets a a lot more credit it gets most of the credit when it talks about challenge and uh being careful and timing your hits and bothering to (laughs) dodge because i just spent so long playing triple a games where you can never really be hurt or just auto heal yourself that like it didn't matter if you were uh if you if you nailed the precision of something or started to really learn a boss that uh, that Dark Souls gets a ton of that credit, but Monster Hunter was doing that the entire time. Oh, totally. And that, I mean, yeah. the original, the Demon Souls, uh, was basically they took Kingsfield and lifted the action mechanics from Monster Hunter verbatim because Monster Hunter was 
I mean, at the time, I think it was perceived as sort of the flavor of the day, you know. I mean, it was super popular. And so every game was trying to be a little bit like Monster Hunter. But Demon's Souls was, like, egregiously, like, you know, if you – going from Kingsfield to that, you you could not miss the Monster Hunter influence. Hmm. Yeah, and, and I remember like streaming um, Dark Souls three, and I'd only play a, a bit of Dark Souls two at that point, and I it was the idea behind the stream was that Brett shows me how to play three, and I'd only been playing for a little bit, and he's telling me all the shit I didn't know how all the fucking items work, and dude, you're fat rolling, what? You're carrying too much shit, so you're like, I don't know anything about that, and I get to a boss, and the whole stream is like, he's gonna die, he's never gonna make it, but Monster Hunter and playing with dual blades led me to believe like slice once and get the fuck out of there until you figure out what this guy's moveset is. I beat him in the, I beat him in my first try. And I remember, I think it was Ryan. He's like, I mean, he's been playing monster hunter with dual blades. Of course he can handle something like this. And this is the hard game that everyone's talking about. But, and, and, and Greg can also attest to this. Um, I, I have never met a toxic fan base in person, only online. The Monster Hunter community is one of the nicest, and I used to it's, think that was solely because they were, you know, felt like underdogs. But the nature of the gameplay mm-hmm. is you don't, no one succeeds unless everyone does, yeah. and that there is no other option. I hope they never add one. There's no verses to it at all, and everybody wants to see everybody get what they want and accomplish what they need to do. It's almost and when, bizarre how stark the contrast was between that community and literally any other Capcom community, especially Devil May Cry, which is where I spent much of my time. Yes! Horrible people. (laughs) And I thought about it. Devil May Cry is an inherently masturbatory experience. You're trying to, like, show off in a single-player game and, like, you know, do the longest wank. And... (laughs) <laughs> and, Mo- and I love it, you know. Brutal. Uh, That's a brutal but, wank. And then Monster <laughs> That's Hunter is an all about wank. <laughs> collaborating, and you know you don't get a huge benefit out of helping people, but you get some benefit. And I think beyond the in-game like reward you get for, I mean, obviously you have to work together to do a quest, but um, people get a satisfaction. Out, it's almost like a different way of showing off by teaching someone, hmm. you know? Yes. Oh, see, I, I'm going to be way more cynical than you guys and just say I think one of the reasons the community is so positive is the language barrier. You're usually playing with Japanese people that you can't understand each other anyway, so no one talks. Mm-hmm. And it's well, also – the game also does a great job of like hmm. – Everyone gets rewarded for helping each other. Like the guys that are there helping you, it's because they need an item for this weapon they're trying to craft, and so they. Well, I, that's that's how it still works online. Like to this day, like I need this one thing. I'll help you with this if you help me with that. Yep. Cool. I see you got the right armor. We can do this. And everyone. And you, there's no there's no benefit to fighting a monster you can defeat. There's no uh, there's no there's no you're not at your detriment to help fight someone that's very easy for you because it's very easy for you. You still get money and and rewards for doing it. So like. But being spending so much time in person with the Monster Hunter audience mm-hmm. was just like glorious. I, and again, the fighting game community in person is the exact same way. In comments, I would set it all on fire. <laughs> but, but 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 like uh, but yeah, in person, like it's it's it is all about helping everyone. What do you need? And like everyone holding up a sign, like we're going after the Skymerald over here. Does anybody else need a Skymerald? I do. Run, 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 run. Get together. Great, and you and, and God forbid they ever allow you to trade shit. Then it would become even more, <laughs> even more nice. Well, yeah. and I, I wonder if the sort of obtuseness of the game and the way it's presented 
makes people that know what they're doing more proud of it because it was something they they really feel like they earned and or you know through their experience or through their interactions with their own like mentors <laughs> but there is there's a very strong like mentor protege culture within monster hunter uh, senpai kohai yeah exactly yeah that's exactly <laughs> what i was most... trying to avoid saying <laughs> <laughs> most gaming communities would turn that into gatekeeping though that's what's so weird though they'd be like mm. well i i spent the time necessary to learn this thing you know get out of here noob you know yeah i'd be you know, it'd be no. people would be yelling at me going like you didn't succeed and get the thing you want get the fuck out of my game and stop wasting my time so s- at, at no point will anybody tell you to get good at monster hunter and and i mean a in a modern day Monster Hunter world, you see very few dropouts, which is like the Michaelis way of insulting well, you. There is such a thing as a bad teacher in Monster Hunter, and I will say it took me like four different Monster Hunter experiences with different titles that I had all received for free from Capcom <laughs> before it really clicked mm-hmm. for me. And part of, part of the problem was that uh, the first person who was uh, teaching me just sort of dragged me through the quests. You know, so you're just sitting there watching your friend do all this cool stuff without really understanding. I, I remember, I remember Yuri specifically because we started around this. He started. We started our teaching at around the same time. He's like, "All right, first thing we're gonna do is get you a Barrios set." Yeah. And I was like, "What the fuck do those words mean?" <laughs> we're gonna See, beat the hell out of this monster, take all this shit from his body, and give you pretty decent starting armor that you wouldn't normally have at the beginning of the game. And Yuri is a great teacher. I'm not talking about Yuri, by the way. I'm talking about someone else. But uh, yeah, he. I mean, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it took it took a while, and it also took it, actually the the first one that clicked for me was um, this is super deep cut. Uh, it was Portable Third HD, which was an HD port of one of the PSP ones that only came out in Japan. Wow. It was ported to PS3, and you could only play online using the ad hoc mode. Oh, God. <laughs> but, wow. I so mean... You, if you had, like, P- four PS3s in the same room? <laughs> no, no, no. It was, like, it, it, was the, it was the ad hoc thing that was made... Mm. So it was basically you use your PS3 as a proxy so that you can pretend... Basically, you could pay, play PSP games online instead oh, okay. of with people in the same room huh. uh but this was a ps3 game that was using that so basically it was like an extra couple hoops to jump through but you, mm. you jump through this couple hoops and for the first time you have an hd console online monster hunter and that was it that was the one that clicked that that's a that's right. a and that I, epitomizes I, monster I, hunter. I think extra couple hoops not to jump not through. not appearing contemporary hurt the overall experience of Monster Hunter, which at its core was always really cool. And that's why World is wonderful, because Greg and I were working with this game in, like, 2014 when it got online for the first time in America. Mm. Since, or, like, since the try or something like that. It's always on a Nintendo system that is, like, fundamentally incapable of getting online to begin Mm. with. And... You remember the ridiculousness of three ultimate? It's like you can't play the portable one online, but if you download an app and transfer all of your save data to the Wii U, then you can play that one online. And it's it's a fucking mess, and it's really hard to matchmake. Yeah. And then World comes out. Not only does it look like a contemporary game, not only does it smooth out a bunch of that shit that really scares people off, like gathering your provisions and item combinations. Uh, it, it has fantastic matchmaking, including I love the SOS flare. Oh, that, yeah, that's how that. great that, that is. That's, that's the only way to play online for me. It's just like, hey, I need help in this quest. Come join me. It's so no-nonsense. Yeah. You, Chris, you, you well, brought yeah, up the I Nintendo think. thing. That's a great point. Like, 
I think a big part of world success is Monster Hunter went now it's back to PlayStation, right? Because hadn't they been like earliest iterations were on Sony platforms or, or like you said, the PSP yes. thing. And then they were like locked uh, Monster, on Nintendo. Monster Hunter made the PSP for Japan. Yeah. And then they were on Nintendo systems it, like and mostly handhelds with recent iterations for years and years and years in the States. And it finally took them coming back to a console that actually gets online like the PS4 uh, and Xbox One for that to really break through to the American audience. You know, I think that was a big part of their success. And, and like Greg said, it's still not altogether clear. I, I can't imagine the intro of Worlds if you didn't know what you were doing because it still is unlike any Western-made game opening ever. Yeah. Outside of the fucking un- weirdo Uncharted opening of Monster Hunter Worlds, which I, I would be happy to cast into the sun. <laughs> it's not great. But, I, uh, but, uh, so actually, I'm someone, this was my first title, so I can speak to how confusing it was, but also like the way this one stuck with me. And if you haven't tried this game, what I recommend, it's right there in the title. It's Worlds. Treat this like an MMO. Approach this like an MMO. And like, because you don't just drop in and start playing an MMO. You go in, you read guides, you, you, you know, you kind of have to be willing to learn yeah, things. There's deep systems. And just think of like crafting and weapon trees and all that that you have in MMOs. That's what World's all about. And that's sort of the draw to this game. But imagine an MMO with like engaging really good best in class combat instead of just hitting a series of numbers in rapid succession or doing your DPS loops as they call it. You know, it's it's like no, in this one it's like, no, you have to know how to fight these creatures. The gameplay is great, but the big hook, the big loop, it's an MMO. It's like, yeah, you're 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 trying to grind for mats to build better weapons uh, in certain trees that help you fight certain monsters in certain situations. Like Chris was saying, like, oh, you have the right armor. You have the right weapon for this fight. Yes, we can go fight this together because if you don't have the right weapon or armor, you're going to get spanked, you know? And that's... It- so, sometimes, like, to, to be honest, like, uh, whenever America got Monster Hunter, I've said this before, I, I know I have, but they'd always, we'd always get the, let's call it the G version. Yeah. The uh, 1.5 version that Japan got. So, like, uh, uh those got really hard. I, I didn't. I never found anything in Monster Hunter World that hard. Not even in a, a Iceborne. Because there's no G rank, right? Or is that? Or does Iceborne? Ice, Iceborne brings the G rank, though, it I does. think, doesn't it? it? It brings the G rank. It's just that, like, a, I don't know. It's like a different world when you're playing one of the older games. And this one, it, I guess, it just weighs you casually enough into it. You don't. I, I just didn't feel it. I, I didn't struggle at all with this monster hunter it was all pleasing and and like i just got better and like we've described the gameplay it's street fighter meets punch out like just (laughs) when when uh when uh, mike tyson dragon blinks he's gonna do this dodge that way Mm. uppercut him boom you stunned him i I did a needlessly long article about how monster hunter is like street fighter back in the day on capcom unity but yeah Yeah. it's like it is um, before before I did that, uh, Tim Rogers, who writes for Kotaku now, he, he had done a thing where he called uh, Monster Hunter Son of Street Fighter, and um, it's pretty true. You know, it's it's all it's all skill. There's no artificial progress. You know, like you, I mean, yep. you can upgrade your gear, but ultimately, you level up by getting good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like Street Fighter in that you have to learn. If you're going to play the different weapons, each weapon is like a character in Street Fighter. It's a completely different yeah, way of true, playing that exactly. game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, it's all about watching animations and knowing your animation times and, you know. Uh, but, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not that type of player. So, I, like, I, I guess I'm intuitively yeah, doing, doing that, but I was never... 
I was never digging into yeah. it like I've seen most Street Fighter players. Well, too. it's it's definitely more approachable, especially because it's not competitive. So you're not dealing with other people who could be like studying frame data or spending all day playing it. Or if you are, they're people that are helping you, not fighting you. So further to the online credit, and to throw some credit back to Dark Souls, by the time the 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 finally the next gen Monster Hunter arrived after almost 15 years, <laughs> uh, uh, players who loved Dark Souls had something they knew they would like in Monster Hunter, and then it was online. And at that point, there were more people to play with than ever. And so I devoured Monster Hunter World, like kind of did everything way too quickly. And I felt I felt almost ashamed of myself because like, I mean, I worked for the company who makes Monster Hunter and like completing a Monster Hunter is either something I never did or took months. But I did I did worlds in like weeks. It was in a few in a week or two. But it was it was fantastic. I have not I have not ravenously devoured something like that in a while. Man, I love Monster Hunter World. I'm glad I'm glad, glad Matt finally got into what it what it does do. well. And Mike, I'm glad Michael will refuse to ever understand. <laughs> Maybe on PC because I hear the PC version is like the way to be playing that game mm. if you have a powerful. Oh, game. it looks gorgeous! Yeah, it's mm. a, yeah. 60 FPS and all that. And little little quick news hit: um, they Capcom promised they're going to get the versions in line within a matter of months, and so the PC won't have that delay in content anymore. Mm. It's all going to be oh, awesome. interesting. Yeah. That's fucking crazy because, like, I, I was trying to like look up for, for this, like, how many monster hunters have come before? I'm like, okay, that's too many to count because there's a billion and one PC games made by even different Asian territories. There's a different Chinese one. There's a different Japanese one. Um, but Monster Hunter proper, I don't think had ever really been on a PC. Other than Frontier is, it's not. I don't mean to call Frontier improper, but the kind that makes sense to me. Well, Chris, had not been a I, Chris, I'm honestly surprised that this is your number two, and I can only imagine what your one. must be. How dare you shut me up? <laughs> uh, when I'm, That's a pro right there, folks. Mario Kart eight. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah, I said it. Mario Kart eight. <laughs> this is garbage. Hold no. on, hold on. No, <laughs> this is like garbage number one. No, no don't. Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. Kidding. I like that. <laughs> you, you goddamn motherfuckers! You fucking listen. To me. You listen to me. Is Mario Kart my favorite game in the universe? No. Is it undeniably the best game of the, one of the best games of the decade? Absolutely. The fact that this got no votes from you guys means you have no heart. You have no soul. You're a bunch of fucking edge lords who can't see anything beyond a sword or a gun reticle. It's true. Uh, you know what this, you. this you, game feels like to me? It's similar to the latest iteration. Getting of contacts. This feels like a greatest hits ver. It like it has everything. All the best stuff from previous Mario Karts all wrapped up right. into mm-hmm. one. Like it, it is. Well, like a greatest they, hits. the Mario Kart games have, have been doing that. The Mario Kart Kart games have been doing that for a while. They have been giving you best of packages so you can hit all these tracks. And let's remember, these tracks are fucking beautiful. I love their music. I love the way they look. Uh, But Mario Kart, with Mario Kart 8 Deluxe in particular, reached its Madden status. As in, it's the newest one. So therefore, it's the best one because <laughs> it it has all this. It has it's it's actually learned something. Whereas like old Mario Kart games, like just would like find a gimmick and try and base shit on that or add a new mode. This just gave you everything that worked with a Mario Kart game. Gave you a bigger roster, a bigger track list, a bigger music set list, and the most functional online thing Nintendo has ever done. In addition to their, I think this is their first attempt at DLC. And it's a good one. 
That's true. I, no, you're right. The they, they, they majorly supported this game after mm. it launched. Yeah. Yeah. They, they did. It, Nintendo has not really done the DLC thing and giving you more kart racers. And up to and including that thing I complained about forever ago. It's I remember slamming Mario Kart in my magazine review of Sonic All-Stars Racing. Because Sonic All-Stars Racing was this like giant celebration of who Sega was and what mm-hmm. they've done and what they mean to Wait, f- Sega fans. Are we misremembering, Mario- though, did Mario Kart 7... It, I thought the DLC was for 7 on Wii U and then 8 included all no. of 7's DLC? It wasn't. No, oh, okay. no, no, no. Well, like, uh, like eight, no. Wii U was eight, eight was on Wii, Wii U. Seven oh, sorry. was the eight was on Wii U. Wait, okay, Mario Kart Eight Deluxe. Eight Deluxe is, is the, best the Switch one. one. Gotcha, yes, gotcha. Yes, yes, yes. And, and and it's in the on the online is crazy competent for the first time ever, and I'm not fucking kidding. Nintendo patched a multi like a multiplayer Mario Kart online. They had never really done that. Every Mario Kart had been ruined by this like nomadic Nintendo throws it away and just walks away from it never to return and uh, this has been fixed and enhanced and had new shit added to it and again my very favorite thing with the Sonic All-Star Racing thing it's just like dude what is your problem here are you so afraid to break canon and have a celebration of other (laughs) Nintendo characters and places in the Mario Kart game they finally like relinquished all that horse shit gave us Link in Hyrule in a fucking Mario Kart game no. Yes, Great. and you got uh, Animal Crossing characters. You got F Zero and Excite Bike stages with some of the best new renditions of like Mute City uh, I, I've ever heard in my entire life by like a full band and a real saxophone. It, it is. I'm not kidding. Some of my favorite music. But no, I, I get it. It's not my favorite game. But um, you know, this new life of mine has has like illuminated what this game means to kids mm. and how. I I had a hard time helping my friend's daughter out with Mario Odyssey. Mario Kart is instantly understandable. If you're just in a place with kids who don't know one another, from almost any age group, you can throw in Mario Kart. They instantly understand it, and they're instantly having a good time. It also is very kid-friendly. It has two assists that are huge. It does auto-acceleration and auto-steering for little kids, Mm -hmm. which I think Mm -hmm. someone was telling me at the office today that's on by default. Yeah, because like really? his kid was playing and he was like, oh yeah, I hit that. I just, you know, I was like, did you figure out how to change the settings? He goes, no, no, that's the default. You have to change out of that. And I was like, wow, that's, that's really cool that they would do that. Cause like, yeah, as a parent trying to, to get your kids to understand how to control games and stuff, that can be a challenge, dude. Whereas Mario Kart's like, look, we're going to do it for like the game will literally steer itself and your kid's. But they can still think that they're doing most of the work, you know, because it still reacts to their to their inputs. But it kind of has this yeah. like auto steer, this gentle mm-hmm. auto steer on it that is like, and of course, like yeah, if you're really playing and you're do, you're throwing up sparks and shit, you're gonna smoke your kids, fucking smoke them. Yeah, yeah. I'm, and I'm saying, but I'm saying Make even at its like default with with none of that shit turned on, like it's something kind of every gamer and non gamer can wrap their head around. Mm-hmm. And who fucking has a complaint about Mario Kart? I think we just, like, we take it for granted. But, like, this is the absolute best version by, like, numerous miles of this game we all understand is universally beloved. Mm-hmm. And and it I think it deserves a place. It's the highest-selling game on the Switch, Nintendo's highest-selling console, in, like, ten years. Yeah. Yep. And th- because everybody can play it. Everybody loves to play it. I love it when my friends, kids who haven't met one another, like, they... You just oh you like to play with Toadette I like to play with Peach sometimes too and then they just start talking about shit even though they don't know like to a, on a granular degree what makes a cart what makes a racer better even though that information is there if you want to dig into it the game is always calibrated for fun no matter who you are 
I mean, the only reason I stopped playing it online is just because, like, there was such a huge gap in between, like, real skill and just, like, no, nah, the game wants everyone to be in first place for a little bit. Um, even when, when you're playing online. Yeah. But, yeah, the most beautiful 1080p 60 frame a second version of that ever. It, like, up until Odyssey came out, it was the most beautiful thing that ever took place in the Mushroom Kingdom. Yeah, come on. It's I cute. feel like this it's is actually a very noble selection. Like, uh, yeah, it's not my it's not my favorite. You got game, a good point. But I, we're gonna I, I'm gonna fire this up for numerous different reasons for my parents, for my friends, for my friends' kids, and they'll all do the same. Everyone will end up picking up this game and loving the shit out of it. And ten years from now, will be even more memeable than like Stone Face Luigi. Uh, which was also cool that fucking cart replay mode. <laughs> oh, dude, the eyes, and the Luigi eyes are so like, good. Uh, like this, this will be a part, a cornerstone of things, uh, something that we reference because of how many people ended up touching it and playing a ton I'll of throw, it. I'll throw a think uh, piece down on you. So, in a decade where the debate about accessibility in games really took off, you chose the most accessible game mm. of the generation. Yeah, like this, everyone can play this game and still have fun and feel like they are accomplishing something. Maybe, but I still have, I want to just applaud Nintendo's embracing of fan service. Cause I'm not kidding. They, they did not break mushroom kingdom canon and wouldn't allow non Mario characters into their Mario Kart game for over eight entries. It, it was stupid. Now, doesn't it feel stupid when it launches on switch and they add even more characters like squidlings? Yeah. It's great. It, it was it was fucking awesome. This wonderful celebration of everything you love about Nintendo, playable in this infinite, infinitely accessible uh, uh, candy-colored shell. I fucking loved it. And the the and the history that you can relive through that thing is amazing. The music, like it's just the amount of effort they clearly put in. It's not. It's. I don't feel. I I judge them for games like New Super Mario Brothers because I don't see a bunch of fucking effort into designing these levels. They feel very much like the last one every single time. This Mario Kart did not, and the last Mario Kart Seven was really good. Uh, but and I'm again talking about Eight Deluxe, mm-hmm. mind you, Eight Deluxe. Deluxe. Yeah. It's important because we might live in that world again where the newest Mario Kart game will always be the best. And I don't even see why they bother to put a nine out at this point. This should be the sole Mario Kart game on this platform. Yeah, I feel like this and Smash are kind of like like the closest thing Nintendo has to like live games, where it's like the most recent one is the best. Uh, they should just keep adding on to it more yeah. and more rather well, than... Well, actually, now that you bring it up, like the things that... I'm not... I don't know as much about Smash as I do about Mario Kart, but the idea of Smash Ultimate was to give you everything you've loved in one place. Yeah. And that is kind of what Mario Kart 8 Deluxe feels like. It feels like Mario Kart Ultimate. Yeah, when you when you talk about the fan servicey bit, that that is Smash. Like that's that's one of the mm-hmm. big uh, to just me who's not like a competitive Smash player, the big draw to Smash is all the fan service homage to gaming stuff and the little references which yeah, I guess I hadn't thought of it, but Mario Kart 8 does include a lot of that stuff as well. Like, it, it, Dude, you're you're tooling around Hyrule on on, yeah. on your fucking motorcycle collecting rupees instead of coins. Yeah. Yeah. Because they make you go faster, mm-hmm. and they never tell you that. Yeah, entire levels are homages to Nintendo properties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not just Mario shit, and I thought that was absolutely wonderful. I thought the Mercedes-Benz free DLC was a little odd. <laughs> but, you, can, but, you can wear Mario's suit from New Donk City and drive around in it. That seems to make sense. Wait, can you? Is that through like an Amiibo, Amiibo no, or something? No, I'm just saying that that should happen. I don't know oh, if it well, can. Because <laughs> you can be Tanuki Mario and Metal Mario. Ooh. Who could forget Dry Bones? He's in here, too. And Baby Mario. And Isabella and the Villager, they're finally able to play. And and, and the verticality, 
I sort of hate how you can't tell what cool things Mario Kart is doing because you're all this, the the camera's always at the same angle with your cart, but you are driving miles up walls and upside down. And when you can look at the replay mode, it looks really fucking righteous. I love it. <laughs> and it's one of the few things I could play with my significant other at the time, like uh, and that we both had a great time with. It didn't so much matter that you win or lost, just that these fun or funny moments would occur in the match. I mean, that's a good point. I, I played this game once, uh, <laughs> but it was with my nephew, who was four at the time, along with like my brother-in-law and my wife. And it was something we could all enjoy. It was like... You know, four people in four different levels of like gamer obsession. You know, <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, it was always a toss up who would win. Yeah, and it's not it's not as simple as like it's not a fucking match three gem thing. That it's not that kind of easy. It's a it's a very well developed, highly polished thing. Yeah. An, an awesome little ecosystem where if you really care about being a great Mario Kart driver, you can. But it's it's not necessarily the most fun way to play the game. <laughs> And it, this is why you can never count Nintendo out. And I know sometimes we, we give Nintendo, we, we poke a little fun and stuff with the online and all that. But like the reason you said there, Greg, which is like, yeah, this is an experience you could all enjoy and you're not all like hardcore gamers and stuff. That's why Nintendo will always have a place in the gaming world is their property yeah. speak to everyone. Like every Mario, I think this is still the case. He is more recognizable than Mickey Mouse, right? As a nope. character. I wouldn't say that. No. No. At one at one point in time, his Q score I, when, they, when they did the Q score mm, stuff was. Did I ever tell you that I went I went on a long exhaustive thing to try and I found the the uh, source of that that information. Oh, was it and was some, it false? No, it's just some like I think it was said offhandedly with like no it, the source was just something said offhandedly. Was it was and it Waluigi? Like, as you since you're Mario's bigger than Jesus. <laughs> you're you're a dad. Is is Mickey is Mario on all your kids' pajamas and on every morning on the Disney Channel? Mario, Absolutely not. My my kids might have known Mario before Mickey. Maybe, hmm. maybe, but he's on more merchandise, and he, and Mario's not on TV every day. Hmm. He just ain't. That's true. Not anymore. Yeah, not <laughs> only for those glorious two years. <laughs> <Captain> <laughs> Um, a horrible, shitty, off-model Mario cartoon. Right. Does Mario have movies you can buy in the store? No, he doesn't. It's just something that the whole culture was aware of because he came with the best-selling system. He, he is the most recognizable video game character, but it's weird because I, I think, if we're being honest, Mario Kart has sort of overtaken the importance that the Mario game, the normal Mario game used to play, quote-unquote. Uh, and it you've noticed it's usually a pack-in three years into the whatever new Nintendo system is out before yeah. the Mario game is because it's more universally beloved. He's going to get his own theme park. The, and the Mario Kart portion in general, in particular, looks fucking amazing. Oh, I can't wait for this shit. Oh. So that's that's Chris's Games of the Decade. Personal Mario list. Kart. Solid. Yes. Um, Mm-hmm. And, oh, and, and add to think. that, I found some fan service while looking around. Did you know everybody's horn, which you can barely hear, makes a specific sound? Really? Yes. And for the like, I, Wario's horn, for instance, totally farts. Yeah, he has a farting horn, and for that reason and that reason alone, Mario Kart should be <laughs> the number one game on anybody's list. As he struggles to find the clip he was going to play next, and it doesn't look like it's going to happen for him <laughs> because if that is what you think. And that clip, then, nobody liked. That, <laughs> that and little clip. Uh, and that was... And add, add the WarioWare characters as DLC to Mario mm-hmm. Kart. Because, I, damn it, they need to exist outside of those games. I want okay, to play as 9-Volt and Mona. 
<laughs> better clothes. And that was the discussion of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. There we go. You're welcome. You're so, what? Everybody knows what that fucking means. Eat my dick. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some news, some new releases, some other stuff. You want to hear about Dragon Ball Z Kakarot? I got that shit. Stay tuned. Oh, no, a blue shell. Ah! Is the world of today getting you down? Well, then why not check in on some of the good stuff that happened this week in movies, TV, games, and more 30, 20, and 10 years ago this very week with our show 30, 20, 10. Here's a clip from 1999. I did find clips of the behind the music of Chris Gaines, which also is a thing that happened. He was so powerful. (laughs) And there's parts of this where Garth Brooks is talking about Chris Gaines like he's a separate person from him. It's almost like he had a psychotic break. Like it's well, I, like, kind of worrying. I've sometimes. always, I've always been of two mi- two minds about get it. it. All of this exists because Garth Brooks wanted to do not a country album. He's right. just like let let me try out some more pop and rock type stuff. But that's so just put out a pop and rock type album. That's the fucked up thing that I wish I could have sat Garth Brooks in and put my hands on his checkered shoulders <laughs> and said, Garth, your music is so popular. Yeah. Because your music is a little more rock than country. Mm-hmm. You're already making right. rock music. Your Chris Gaines music isn't rock enough to be rock. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. It sucks because you, you, you're dressed like a fan of The Cure and you play like <laughs> like sub Kenny Loggins music. Like this is not, this is not <laughs> yeah. good. Jump into the past with 302010 every Thursday on LazerTimePodcast.com or iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back, and we will not waste any time climbing onto Nimbus and flying around a big open world to play this sound. These are the new releases, they are releasing new releases. These are the new releases, everybody cares Dragon Ball Z Kakarot is a game that I have played AMA. Uh, okay, how does it compare to... Did you play the... What was the last one? It was like something something 2... Yeah, it was something too. <laughs> really, I, I'm not. I'm not sure. Like the last DBZ game that I played was Dragon Ball Fighters. Does it have Naruto in it? No, it does not. It does not have Naruto, but it is by CyberConnect Two, who are the people who've made some really wonderful Naruto games, like Osoro's Wrath. Uh, yeah, I think they did make that as well. They um, did indeed. I worked on it. They're well known for very big cinematic games, mm-hmm. and like Osoro's Wrath. Exactly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> this is this is similar to that. You get you get like a big 
honestly kind of shallow open world RPG where you're just like flying around and collecting orbs. A lot of orbs. A lot of orb collection. And then every so often you'll run into something that's like, oh, hey, random battle. And then it transitions into like a fighting game thing, which is it kind of kind of feels like a simplified DBZ fighter where you can, you know, there's a button for key blast, there's a button for melee, there's a button for dodging, and so you're just kind of like zooming in close, laying down a beat down, pummeling a foe into the distance and unleashing a kamehameha. It's uh, it's great for just like a quick hit of that fantasy, but ultimately what I have played is not that deep, and what I've heard from a lot of reviewers is like, it's not that deep. But it, if you want to experience... You say that like that's ever stopped a DBZ fan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm 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 not right. talking to the DBZ fans. I'm talking to everybody here. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you, if if you are a DBZ fan and you want to experience that story, or you're not a DBZ fan but you're curious and you want to discover that story, like this is not a bad way to do it. It's fun. It's, it's your fun. chance to live live out that story, right? Which yes. which is something that they haven't done in in a little while. Mm-hmm. And so why not? Like, yeah. yeah. But the, I guess it depends on the audience, because mm. what? So what I've heard is that it's not a great game. Mm. I've heard the orb collecting is like the best part, which mm. is a weird thing. But I also know that CyberConnect Two, they do their homework. They're they're yes. all obsessive like manga and anime. Mm-hmm. They're you know, huge fanatics. Fans. They also have they're they're fairly proven in terms of the quality of their stuff. So it makes me think that. They they're making a game for the people that are as obsessive as they are mm-hmm. with yeah. Dragon Ball. They generally so, do, and yeah. and I also know that they embrace the idea of uh, dumb games. They when we worked on Osiris Wrath, they they did like a promo video where it was the director of the game Matsuyama, I think, and uh, the producer, and they were talking about uh, not every game has to be this brilliant deep thing they're, they they use the term bakage uh, hmm. which mean, literally means like dumb game or idiot game <laughs> okay um and there, you know there's something to be said for that hmm. you know it's like look we want to we want to do key blasts and like what do you call the krillin thing spirit disc oh yeah 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 <laughs> whatever whatever's called like, we, we want to do frisbee the frisbee that he makes appear over his head look they just want to make bukaki games we get it that's what you, we, you call it we right? want to push buttons and have dragon ball th- things happen yeah I've, I've heard one of the issues this game has is like um because it, it does have to adhere so strictly to the story is like you're gonna get in these fights and even if you win they're like uh, you can't really win this fight so now you have to lose because yeah. carrot head or vegetable face or whoever it is uh-huh. you're fighting yeah all the saiyans are named after vegetables it, yes uh, but destructo disc i just remember oh okay but yeah <laughs> no the, like especially at the beginning of the game there are a lot of fights like you win but you win the the fight the gameplay but then your mm-hmm. opponent just says like oh, i'm tired of this and then he kicks just like kicks your ass in a cutscene right yeah. So it's like that. you won, but really you lost. And if you lose, then you still have to do it over. I'm going to go sign on your ass. Um, let me ask, uh, what is the combat like? Is it, is it, because I heard action RPG. And so I was mm-hmm. thinking, is it button mashy? Is it's it, button mashy. Okay. It's not like a tech. Because I was like hoping like, oh, maybe it's tactics, like turn-based. Te- no, no, it's no, button mashy. Damn it. Okay. It, it feels like a simplified DBZ fighting game where you're just zooming in close and hammering on buttons. Okay. You said cyan. That's actually more accurate. Thank you. But 
Everyone says Saiyan. As you would know if you listen to the show extensively, Greg, I am, am a bit of an anime connoisseur, an if you will. Anime uh. connoisseur. <laughs> the Dude, opposite don't get me started on <laughs> purist attitudes towards the word. Yeah. Did you anime. know it's a loan word from French? Yes. Right, right. Mm. Well, those of us Wait, in what? the know still call it Japanimation. So <laughs> no, <please>. we don't. <laughs> Japanimation or Garugamesh. <laughs> Garugamesh is a band. <laughs> They're a band. I thought that's something you said if you were obsessed with Japanese culture. Garugamesh. Oh, I need to alter my MySpace page. <laughs> Where is Dude, that did guy you, Did you cover that in 302010? Because, man. We did. <laughs> oh, good. I need to find that one. Oh man! But this is an anime game. Yes, it's very an anime game. Okay, okay. And it looks it looks really good. Man, did you see? And I, I, I'm as always, kid, slightly kidding the DBZ fans. Uh, DBZ fan subs were one of the first things I did on the internet when you were capable of downloading video. Really? That special edition is gorgeous. So you're the reason that like Goku's telling Vegeta to go fuck himself. Yep. Yep, Wait, there was what? a ton of that. Just Krillin always going, shit! <laughs> shit, Goku! <laughs> <laughs> Fucking shit, Goku! As a small, bald man, I really appreciate Krillin. As a, <laughs> as a well, I appreciate him because I also have no nose. Mm. I have to I have to correct that myself from an earlier show. I, the promo images I'd seen for this all had... Uh, Goku with a tail, and so I thought it was taking place before the events of Dragon Ball Z. But it's, uh, you do it's a play fake as, tail as right? Gohan with a tail. You you can you you do have a fake tail that you use for fishing. For fishing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because and and that's like one of the first things you do. Because of course, the first thing you need to do in a modern JRPG is learn how to fish. Fishing mini game. Yes. Yeah. It's it's a requirement. Of course, yeah. I feel is. I feel like you get like tax breaks from the Japanese government by putting <laughs> fishing mini games in your RPGs. Everyone knows this. Yeah. This is very relaxing for our country's aging population. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> anyway. All right, Dragon Ball Kakarot. Yeah, um, what else is out? Uh, so a game that I kind of missed the first time around, but was always intriguing to me. So I'm excited by this. But Oddworld Strangers Wrath HD. Is coming Again. to Switch. Wow. Yeah. It's on everything. Doing. I love it. The thing will not die. But that Thank was, God, because it died so quickly when it came out the first was, time. But everyone was so hyped for because it, it was the weird first-person shooter, which is like, you're going to shoot little alien guys at other creatures. Can, and... can I share something with you? It's fucking great. It's good, right? It's, it's one awesome. of the okay. best games of its generation, and everyone slept on it at first, and it's been getting HD remake after HD remake. Everyone should play this at least once. Was this an Xbox exclusive it back was, in the day? Okay. Yes, from EA, and and yeah, it got it got almost no love at launch, except from critics. But it, but it sold terribly. Well, it's on Switch now, so yeah. so we have no. Once again, I have no excuse not to play it, and yet I probably won't. It's great, man. Uh, Walking Dead: Saints and Sinners it came to VR. Uh, I think it's just on Oculus. So. Michael, I believe you can play that, but not. Ooh. But uh, yeah, that's a VR experience. That's kind of it for the big releases of this month. It's January. What do you want? Yeah. A Capcom game, maybe. Yeah, that would be. Nice. They used to own January. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where's Where's Resident Evil Three? It's in April. It's so in April. They're gonna own April now. Anyway. News. 
according to your Hollywood segment, because it's time for the VGA. Hollywood segment. Hollywood. <laughs> oh, I love that I understood that reference to Mannequin. Um, there is a Witcher anime, anime, Japanimation film, if you will. Animation. Animation. In yes. development at it. the Netflix. Uh, so the witch out, Nightmare of the Wolf, uh, is being developed there by uh, Studio Mir, the South Korean animation studio that did uh, Legend of Korra for Nickelodeon mm. back in the day. So they're working on that. So Witcher, we had already uh, talked about on previous shows, so popular before the first season even came out. Netflix just loved it so much that they, they already renewed it for season two. It is proving to be one of their most successful and popular year one shows, like in terms of viewership. So they are mm-hmm. all about the Witcher stuff. And so yeah, now, now you're getting Witcher anime yeah. on the Netflix. Um, if I can throw out something, if you are interested by animation, original animation on Netflix, y'all should check out uh, Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts, Here which good. is fantastic. Uh, it it kind of feels like if you mixed up the backstory of Fallout with the aesthetics of Undertale. Mm. Um, I absolutely love it so far. Um, I recommend it strongly. It sounds exactly like the CGI remake of Pokemon the First Movie, which is also coming to Netflix Thursday, February 27th in the U.S. Uh, So this is they're they're calling it uh, Pokemon Mewtwo Strikes Back Evolution. Uh, This debuted in Japan back in July of last year, but we are now getting it to the States. So if you liked the Pokemon movie from last year and crave more CGI Pokemons, Pokemans. I, w- I want to hear Herb Kane quoting the Pokemon movie. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wish I had that loaded up. Oh, well, go ahead. <laughs> well, now you can uh, on February 27th because you got your Pokemon CG movie coming uh, to the Netflix. Uh, does, does anybody else... Does this bother anybody else? I <laughs> What, that a movie just got an HD remake, basically? <laughs> I mean, Japan's been doing this forever. But, like, uh, you know, I even saw the Laser Time community talking about it. Like, and, and most people were positive, but it was just sort of like, but I do, I like that movie, and I I can't understand liking that movie. I've seen it. Mm. Uh, but I was a teenager. I was in my 20s. It was already too late for me. But go on. But the, the voices and the music are going to be different. And that's, like, all, like, a big thing in, like your nostalgic movie experience and the only thing i've seen that compares to that is the evangelion stuff which left a really bad taste in my mouth yeah i didn't want anything to do with that i don't know am i wrong greg have you seen all that crap the movies no i've evangelion movies no i I saw the series when i was young impressionable look at me biggest anime fan here who else saw porco rosso out in public this week no one it's out in public what do you mean yeah, we have a bar that shows uh, movies on their patio. Huh. Dope. Oh, that's sweet. It's coming to right. Netflix, just not in the U.S. Right. So you got to yeah. get head to HBO Max for that horse shit. Yeah. But, yeah, but, but yes, it, like philosophically, I guess, a, a, a CG remake of a movie feels like a very empty gesture to me. And uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure that I care for it, but whatever. Animation can always be improved. That's weird. It's real weird. Now I can't wait till we see a CG remake of the Sonic the Hedgehog movie coming soon <laughs> to theaters. I received a copy of Ghost in the Shell on Blu-ray from Funimation back in the day, mm. only to discover it was the 
I forget what they even call it, but it was like like the 1.5 version where they replaced some scenes with CG circa 2003 oh, or shit. whatever. Always works, man. They, Always works. they did that with Appleseed too, didn't they? Gross. Yeah, yeah, it is gross. Like I think it's gross. I, I don't like it. I yeah, I, I got rid of it, and I was like. I, I really want a copy of Ghost in the Shell, but not like this. <laughs> not, not like this. this. I, I want it with Scarlett Johansson playing all the characters. Uh-huh. Yeah. <sighs> so times like this, I'm thankful. I don't give a shit about anime. Thanks, guys, for that. I mean, I don't really either, but go, like to me, there's like a handful that stand out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that uh, like I probably need to update that stance because I've basically tuned out anime since like 2004. Mm-hmm. But. I, even having tuned out, there's like a handful that I still think of as like just awesome media, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that live action Death Note movie. I thought that was really good. <laughs> I don't even. It's, it's, I don't it's even awesome know. when things switch the, mediums the and get modernized. Netflix original. Mm-hmm. I can't tell for being ironic anymore. Well, there's, a, <laughs> there's a live action Bebop on the way. I'm sure that's gonna be. Uh, oh God. Maybe that's fine. Right. Yeah. Maybe we'll see. Ah, well. What else you got, Matt? Well, you know, typically this time of year, it used to be Capcom game release season, but it was also delay season. Mm. Uh, last week, we talked about Final Fantasy VII Remake and Avengers got delayed. Uh, we got two more games that were announced since then. So Cyberpunk 2077 got delayed back to September 17th. Oh, my uh, Marvel's Avengers, as a reminder, got pushed back from May to September 4th. So now September is lining up to be pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other one, it doesn't have a date yet. It sounded it sounded really bad when I read the announcement. It's uh, Dying Light Two has been delayed indefinitely. No, that's not a good sign. But the, the developers on their on their Twitter account they they release a statement, and it's not one of those things like "Hey, we're delayed and in limbo." It's just like we don't want to put a date on it because we're just going to work on it until we feel like it's finished. So it it came across as way more positive than those announcements typically do. Like typically when it's delayed indefinitely, I'm like that ain't coming out. Whereas this, I'm like, oh no, they just they don't want to do this again and disappoint people and put something on a calendar and then miss it. So I, I mean, I've seen that game at a lot of shows. Like I saw it at uh, Gamescom like two years ago. It's pretty far along, you know. Uh, so Dying Light Two will happen. It's just they don't know when at this point. So. That's good to know. Indeed, first uh, game was amazing. Everybody, go check it out. Indeed, uh, another game that's amazing that more players can now check out if the rumors are to be believed but horizon zero dawn is rumored to be coming to pc Mm. this is exciting but you know what's also strange Mm. it's technically playable on pc right now wait what how playstation now playstation now Mm -hmm. oh i wait you can play that on pc you can there is a playstation now app for pc I tried playing uh, Metal Gear Solid 4, and it's like, wow, this is like a badly artifacted YouTube video. (laughs) Maybe I need to fix my connection. I don't want to sound like my dad, but where the fuck do I put apps on my PC? Uh, Programs? (laughs) Applications? Things you put on your PC? (laughs) You know, as sort of a... uh, Maybe this is a tangent, but like, I feel like the most consistently under-celebrated feature of the modern sony ecosystem is remote play Mm. yeah yeah i forget it exists like all like everything you love about the switch well maybe not everything but (laughs) like the base concept that you love about the switch you can do that with your ps4 
It has been, it has been an app on like the fifth screen of my apps forever, and I've never tried it. And if you, I find that you're right, I think that's bizarre. It came to iOS, not iOS, uh, OS X, really, uh, a couple of years OS ago. X, so I really? have to assume it's on Windows as well. But huh. there, so like two years ago, over the holidays, my friend, my friend is really into Ghost Recon, so we were playing uh, Wildlands, huh. uh, like you know, regularly, my, like all my friends from high school. And they had just released the Predator thing. And I was home for the holidays, so I didn't have access to my PS4, but I had my uh, laptop. And we really wanted to do the Predator thing, which was a limited time thing. But using uh, remote play, I was able to play via my laptop using a PS4 controller. Mm. And and I was playing four-player online co-op. And it was, you know, the connection and everything was solid enough that... I was able to do this extremely challenging mission with four-player co-op with basically no lag, and we played for like four hours. I wonder, nice. could you use an Xbox controller in that app, or does it require the the DualShock? Uh, I'm not sure. I've, I've only really tried to play it, strangely enough, with Ghost Recon Wildlands, mm-hmm. uh, and it was last time I played it was with the uh, touchscreen controls, which is less than ideal iffy, like it, it yeah. works not not so great for a, a quick action game like that especially because yeah. like i would think i was playing it over hotel wi-fi so there was like a, a second lag um yeah. but can i share a secret with you about the mm-hmm. uh, the predator thing it's still there oh really i think the the limited time aspect is like you get certain things for completing it but yeah. it's just in stealth camo you can still play it you can't see mm-hmm. until it's you tell me you make it bleed. That mission's still there. He's you can still the, fight the predator. Yeah, at the time we were under the impression yeah, it was yeah. limited. Sorry, back, back to back to the Horizon Zero Dawn thing though. Sorry. Like, so this came up a few weeks ago. We were talking about the the baseball game, uh, MLB the Show, mm-hmm. that, which had been rumored to come to other platforms. Which I think at the time we were like, hey, that makes sense because they have a license, and the licensor is like, no, you need to make more money, get this on more platforms. But this is like a wholly owned Sony thing. Like Guerrilla Games is a is a first party studio yeah it's a wholly owned subsidiary yeah and and death stranding was even sort of like a second party arrangement where it made sense like okay now 505 games is publishing it on pc but this is like sony perhaps publishing a a playstation ass title on pc that's kind of big news if true you know yeah yeah but also like i think we said it with the show like how long has it been out Three, four, five years? Uh, like 2017 title. So, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. what else is it going to do? It's been on sale for $9 the last year. Like, I. What else can you? What else can you do with it? You can do what they did with their other exclusive. They just leave them on their platform. Mm-hmm. You know? I know, but or or you can expose it to a whole new group of people and like get them more excited about the Sony ecosystem. Yeah. Yeah. What What's been strange mm-hmm. is that, that like in 2020, there are still people who get angry when a console exclusive, even an old console exclusive, migrates to other systems, and like I I don't really it's ridiculous. I don't really see like PC and. Uh, Sony, Xbox as like direct competitors. It, it's sort of like the way that you can say like the Switch is not a direct competitor to Sony and Xbox. Like they're kind of on different levels. They appeal to different people. Yeah. You know, the, the the overlap between PC gamers and console gamers, it's a Venn diagram. It's not a circle. Yeah. Like there, there are 
console players who cannot afford an expensive gaming PC, and there are people with an expensive gaming PC who will never touch a console. Yeah, they're going after, you're right, they're going after kind of different levels of similar audiences, whereas, mm-hmm. like, this story isn't saying that thing's going on Xbox, because they are competing for the same oh, absolutely. people at that yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, we want someone to spend a couple hundred bucks on our console. So, yeah, yeah I guess Chris makes a great point, though. It's like, well, this thing's been out there a while, and yeah, if you, if you can get people playing the old one, and then perhaps they're about to announce a new one, if rumors mm. are to be believed. Right. It's like, yeah, play this thing. We're, and by the way, uh, we're not allergic to money. We can make more money putting this thing on <laughs> yeah, PC. Yeah, yeah. That's great, too. Mm. Um, why not? Yeah, it, it, I, it's one of those rumors I'm like, yeah, I could I could believe it. It, it feels like if, if Nintendo will do, will do that for mobile, why wouldn't they... Why wouldn't Sony throw someone throw the PC a bone? Yeah. So I hinted. Uh, speaking of kind of the Sony and PlayStation stuff, uh, there is a leak uh, online, or a big leak kind of happened on 4chan. And normally, I don't put, I don't include leaks in the news. But a, there weren't a lot of new releases this week, and b, mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff seems to be something that could be realistic. Uh, and the leaker in question kind of called a few things earlier this year. So I, I figured we could discuss it because it's seeming like this could happen. So apparently there's a big PS5 reveal event that's supposed to be set for early February, February 5th, according to this leak. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this event, they're going to announce a few things. So they're going to announce that PS5 is coming out in October. They're going to be announcing the price, which is $500, um, only one model, so no no levels or anything, no getting a second job for the $600 version. Uh, they're going to announce some launch games, which include Gran Turismo, uh, MLB The Show, the next Boo. one, of Boo. course, Demon's Souls Remastered, All uh, right. Godfall, which we've already seen, Legends with a Z, which is a new IP from Sony Santa Monica Studios. So now all of a sudden I'm mm. taking that way more seriously. Mm. Um, and then uh, so other games they're teasing, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn sequel, uh, Spider-Man sequel, new sci-fi IP from Naughty Dog. New IP from SIE Japan. New IP from London Studio. Uh, Final Fantasy 16, And a new Resident Evil. The, apparently the specs of the new system are supposed to be almost on par with the Xbox Series X. But of course the Series X people are thinking is going to be $600. So the PS5 could be are a little they? bit cheaper. And then the slogan. And here's here's the weird part. Okay, I know I'm doing the fucking Charlie with the... the putting the pins all over the room mm-hmm, thing mm-hmm. from it's always sunny but the slogan is rumored to be it's time to play one of the official playstation accounts in europe of course changed like they, they did a tweet or something and they included that slogan in the tweet they put it's time to play so there could be something to i mean some of these sound far-fetched like final mm. fantasy 16 that's the one that i'm like that no way I, I don't know. This reads like a an assembly of like safe bets and like so far out of left field games that like it's probably fake. But I don't know. I mean, it it could be real. Who knows? I, yeah, I just feel like Sony hasn't tooted its horn about Gran Turismo in like six years. Mm-hmm. They probably feel like it's ready for a comeback. Maybe. Maybe, Maybe it's time for Drive Club Two. Jesus, he never stops with that. <laughs> Always with the drive club with me. Always yeah. the drive club. I, I mean, the the only one of the reasons I included this though is like Sony hasn't gone out with as many details as Microsoft yet about mm. their new platform, and they we already talked about last week they pulled out of E3, so they have to do all this sometime, 
And they have to put a date on this console soon because they need people to pre-order this thing. Mm -hmm. And they got to have some games coming at launch with this new console. Otherwise, why are you launching it? Sounds like a typical launch to me. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Where's our ring of red? (laughs) Our SSX. Love that. Mm -hmm. Ring of red. (laughs) Sounds like an asshole after a very spicy (laughs) meal. Or an Xbox problem. Yeah. (laughs) Interesting. I don't know. Um, so while we're discussing rumors, I might as well throw this one out here. A, a fairly reliable Capcom leaker, Aesthetic Gamer, on Twitter. Greg, is that you? Nope. Okay. I'm lacquer <laughs> Good wear. cover, buddy. He says I Resident... He or she says Resident Evil 8 was canceled as recently as 2019. Uh, so a new RE, like in the formal, you know, with a numbered version, is a ways off. Um, the canceled version was huh. supposed to be in development since 2016, um, it was canceled in, in mid-2019. Its development was paused in 2017, so Capcom could focus on RE7 DLC and the Resident Evil 2 remake. Great DLC, by the way. Yeah. Oh, is that the thing where you found the lost tapes? There, there's a bunch of DLC, and almost basically all of it's great. There's mm-hmm. Yeah, there's tapes, and then there's like the Chris DLC, and then there's the one You're that's where basically like a first-person beat-em-up. Uh, this leaker al- also said that following um, RE3 in April, Capcom will not be putting out any further remakes for the next few years, but there are other Capcom classics being rebooted similar to the Resident Evil reboots that are also being made in the new Resident Evil engine. Uh, I know one of those rumors I read is um, Dino Crisis might be. It's, it seems like it has to be. What else could it be? be? Yeah. So it's, it's not the uh, haunting ground, I'll tell you that much. It's going to be pirate <laughs> ship Higamaru. It's coming back. So, so, so we basically have two rumors that are that are at odds with each other because the previous one said there would be a new Resident Evil title shown at this PlayStation event. This this leak says that there's no mainline Resident Evil, so it could be like a Origins spinoff or one of those type Resident Evil games. You know, who knows? I I just how about this. There's one I'm hoping that happens, and it's not the one with the unexciting PS5 launch lineup. Okay, is it Darkstalkers? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yes, I hope it's. All, I hope it's all for Darkstalkers. <laughs> love to see Darkstalkers. Everybody would love to see Darkstalkers, except apparently people who work at Capcom. Just kidding, they like it too. Mm. But come on, just like take it. Only have it half fighting. That's the, the only thing I keep pitching. I've always wanted to see a Capcom All Stars. Yeah, what I wanted them to do is do Sengoku Basara, the most unmarketable game in the West <laughs> imaginable, and just re- like repurpose that as like a Capcom All-Stars thing. I remember I got a job at Capcom and had to ask the question, what the fuck is Sengoku Basara? Why is there a section of this on the website? <laughs> is that the game that like they, they released it for PS2 as like Devil Kings or something? Yeah, and right. then, but well, but then it was like when Basara Two came out, it didn't even get a Western release, and then Three came out and it, they rebranded it to unify with the Japanese branding. Mm-hmm. So it was Sengoku Basara Three, yeah, and then Four they didn't release again. I think I might have made fun of one of those in like a worst box art feature because it was just like, look at where all the sight lines of the characters are going, and like if you lined up like. Okay, look at where their eyes are pointing and draw a line, and they're all looking at the crotches of their enemies on the other side of the, <laughs> the box. Got to size up your opponent, man. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we're, we're coming out, heading out of rumor land. Let's talk about stuff that 
is actually going to happen. Uh, some awesome games are coming to Xbox Game Pass. So, uh, Michael, one of your favorites of last year, Plague Tale Innocence, Ooh. is hitting January 23rd. Nice. Now, As, nobody has oh, an excuse it? not to play it. I'm glad I, I almost bought it this week because it was like it was like a quarter of the price on <laughs> with with gold. Yeah, it was on uh, sale. Man, it was like 20, 20 bucks. I almost pulled the trigger. And now as well. you know why. Uh, Indivisible is also coming. Oh, cool! Yeah, so that's January twenty third. On the thirtieth, uh, these titles I have not heard of, but uh, one called Sea Salt, which is an action strategy hybrid, mm-hmm. and Fishing Sim World Pro Tour. Ooh. Yes, it never ends. <laughs> Uh, that is in addition to the stuff that came out earlier this month. So Children of Morta, Frostpunk, that's one I've been meaning to play. Uh, GTA Five, which we talked about last week. Sword Art Online, Fatal Bullet, and Tekken 7. So some heavy hitters hitting Game Pass in January. Man, Game Pass is really good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they finally, fi- they finally perfected the Fatal Bullet. Yeah. What? I'm, I'm glad you're saying it, Greg, because every time we bring it up, I feel like a giant shill. Like, we're not being paid by Game Pass. It's just a really good service. I think all of us can't believe it's real. We're yeah. like... I will probably never own an Xbox again, but every time I hear about Game Pass, I, I think about it. It's also on PC. Yeah. yeah. For 15 bucks a month, you can yeah. get it. I, I, I mention it because, yes, it's always surprising. Like, oh, I just get GTA Five for free, the game that's like... Only now getting discounted below forty bucks. Hell yeah! And 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 that like uh, uh, the bigger a problem this is for other publishers, the more likely they are to show up with an equivalent. And that's what I would like. I would like more game passes. I, I, I'm yelling this week on bonus time, Patreon.com/slash Laser Time about the massive amount of video streaming services. But I definitely want. We need more video game Netflix services, for real. Well, I thought, Greg, you were going to hail like the feature no one talks about for Sony is PlayStation Now is like Game Pass, even down to the point of you can download the games in addition to stream them, mm-hmm. and yet no one talks about it. And I think it's a big part of it's like they don't bring the current hits like Xbox does. Like Xbox is putting stuff that came out a matter of months ago, whereas PlayStation Now feels like yeah. the titles are a little Not, not only that, Xbox is like bringing new big releases yeah. like yeah it's first party games are day and date with right. uh yeah on game pass yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. ps now probably is cooler than it like it probably warrants more buzz than it gets but i'm for, for me I, I just held on to my ps3 it's, so. it's getting better but i think you know that there was a sony executive who was quoted recently as saying you know that they're not gonna be putting out triple a games on release day for yeah. for playstation we talked now. about that like they, they just <laughs> Like, yeah, he explained it away just being like, ah, we still view these launches as, like, big events and yeah. kind of throwing shade at Microsoft's strategy. Just basically saying, like, yeah, you're giving away your big games here. Like, we're going to... I don't know how it makes sense yet, but until they figure <laughs> it out, I will reap the benefits. I, I think it's going to work for Microsoft. I, I think they're positioned really well heading Look, into this next I'll say generation. this for Microsoft. They have all the money. <laughs> That's true. That's it. <laughs> Ah, yes. Uh, and in a final little thing, I'll, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give this a segment drop. I'll sing it myself. So let's get political, political. No, no. Let's get political, uh, uh, fellas. But don't worry, listeners, if you if you are conservative. It's, it's not the orange trash man. Don't yeah, worry. No, we're going to make fun of a Democrat, Ooh, a demon a cat, if you will. <laughs> uh, well. Joe Biden called game devs little creeps whose games teach you to kill people uh, in an interview with the New York <laughs> Times. Now, okay, so the headlines read really poorly. And, yeah, Biden 
super seems out of touch, but I'm going to give it its full context so we can kind of judge mm -hmm. the full statement. So in, in this interview with the Times, uh, they're talking about his disagreements with Barack Obama in meeting. Uh, one of the things that came up is his meeting with Silicon Valley uh, business leaders. And here's, here's his quote. Uh, and you may recall the criticism I got for meeting with the leaders in Silicon Valley when I was trying to work out an agreement dealing with them protecting IP for artists in the United States of America. Why did he say the whole thing out there? Uh, at one point, one of the little creeps sitting around the table who was a multi close to a billionaire who told me he was an artist because he was able to come up with games to teach you how to kill people. You know the – and then uh, the interviewer is like, oh, like video games. And he's like, yeah, like video games. Then one of these righteous people said to me that, you know, we are the economic engine of America. We are the ones. And fortunately, I had done a little homework before I went. And I said, you know, I find it fascinating. As I added up the seven outfits, everyone's there at Microsoft. I said, you have fewer people on your payroll than all the losses that General Motors just faced in the last quarter of employees. So don't you lecture me about how you've created all this employment. He then goes on to say basically that Silicon – and he's, he's lumping all tech people together with gaming people and it's kind of hard to distinguish when he's talking about gaming. But he talks about like how there's an arrogance with tech execs and how anytime there's been a big uh, revolution like industrial revolutions and stuff, government has had to step in to regulate and how tech does need a bit more regulation. So very mm -hmm. very – standard democrat line in that in that regard right like that's that that's anyone would say that but and and a uh, out of character uh in touch statement from Chip right. but yeah just the biden <laughs> flair of calling people little creeps and whose games teach you I'm, how to kill i'm people. sure wait a minute are you, gonna, are you gonna start making fun of his no malarkey tour which is the <laughs> name of his tour seriously yes <laughs> google joe biden no malarkey and you'll find his bus that he's in He's I'm sure the game industry is losing lots of sleep over what Joe Biden's opinions of its executives are. No. Well, Ugh. I mean, to be sure, there like there are lots of tech douches. game execs who are little creeps. <laughs> like it can't be denied. But sure, I'm one I of take them. issue with this idea that games are teaching you to kill. No, it's it's and I I also stupid. do not see anybody from any developer, even the douchiest mobile developer, saying to. Hey, Vice President, my games teach people to kill. That's how you lead off the conversation with the Vice President. No, no, no. That's not a little creep voice. It's like, Vice President, my games teach people to kill. Yeah, I, I mean, who knows what unfolded in that conversation. But like, it's, it's, it's Cliffy B, isn't you, you it? You sounded like the homeless guy from UHF. Yeah, man, this is... $4. Well, someone, someone, I think a Kotaku had like done some backwards math and deduced that it was probably like the head of EA at the time or something. Could be. Can you imagine the head of EA describing himself as an artist, though? I mean, I'm not, I'm not throwing shade. It's just that seems like a weird thing for the head of EA to say. <laughs> also, I don't think he's little. Like, he said little creeps. I think the head of EA is taller yeah, than Yeah, he's, he's quite big. Yeah. And it probably came out like like more nuanced yet still douchey. He's still in <laughs> soccer games and art? I'd like to think so. I, I To me, uh, this kind of speaks to one of the issues I have with Joe Biden is that, okay, he's 77. Donald Trump was elected as one of the oldest presidents in history and he's like 73, mm -hmm. right? And so Biden, I, we already kind of have that concern. He's a bit out of touch because he's he's so much older. And this is like totally like an old person stereotype. Like, all oh, those murder simulators you guys play. And, and I'm just like, just, just shut up. You don't understand it. Yeah. Like, don't claim to understand Bernie's it. Bernie's like, no, I've prestiged like four times in Call of Duty. 
<laughs> Prestige for all. I live for this shit. <laughs> oh my god. Everyone in the oh. middle class deserves a college education and to prestige <laughs> and to attend an esports event. When I'm president, everyone will have the special edition. No matter what edition you buy, you'll always have a statuette. You'll get all the DLC for free. And who's going to pay for it? The rich. The rich are going to pay for it. You want the Alduin statue? You get the Alduin statue. <laughs> God, we all do really good birdies. I have to get a super easy to do. All of your Fallout bags will be burlap. Burla I'm getting like really Semitic here. Words, I'm going to get in I? trouble. Greg, Greg, you got to do your Bernie. Come on. I uh, have <laughs> I, I, I don't do. I don't do it. Come on. It's even better when you don't do impressions. <laughs> and I'm and I'm a Jew in Brooklyn. I should be able to do. This. <laughs> and and yet Bernie's the not likable one. Uh, according yeah. to the Democratic yeah. establishment, yeah. anyway. Uh -huh. Yeah, I'm on pins and needles for saying that I, I like Joe Biden. I'm like, well, I was talking about the context of Air America 10 years ago where he'd come on and be fucking hilarious yeah. and, and ruthless. I didn't mean the guy now with a burst eye vessel. Yeah, well, he's he's like bragging about being the most conservative member of the Democratic caucus. Yeah, it, this whole situation, if I can speak politically, breaks my heart because that dude is doing something he thinks he has to do that nobody wants him to do and wish he wouldn't do mm -hmm. and wish he'd get the fuck out of the way and – it's just so. So he's he shattered his whole legacy, but because of something he thought he needed to do. Poor guy. Hmm. Poor guy. Hopefully he won't win. Yeah, I always I always thought of Biden as more of like an old school like union guy, and yeah, he seems to be trying to erode that. Well, he's old. Yeah. Anyway, this isn't a political show. Let's move on. I don't. We had you know. Let's get political. I warned them. I sure, sang the song. Sure, Michael. sure you I did. Sing it. So anyway, that is all the news. Let us switch to play. Hmm. All right. Well, let's get into the community segment, which as always. Is segmenting our community. Last week's question of the week. Uh, is E3 still a big deal to you? Greg, you weren't here last week. Is E3 still a big deal? Me? Well, I don't know. Like, I feel like I've been burned before by E3 suddenly disappearing. Mm. And that was like... Mm. at the. Remember, there was like... I, I guess it didn't disappear, but it, like, it turned into like a closed doors press event. Right. Yeah. For a while, and th even though I, that was before I was even in the industry, and I was surprised to find that that was very disappointing to me. And I guess there was some sort of like, like, I don't know, f like energy or fervor that I had missed. You know, like you look forward to it the way you look forward to almost like a holiday. You know. Because, you know, it's going to be this exciting time. And even though it was still a press event, so they were still, I guess, announcing stuff, um, there was just something missing from the equation. So I was very happy when they brought it back to that. But now that I'm, like, I don't know, post-industry in a way. <laughs> mm, I hear uh, you, buddy. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how to feel. Like, it seems like people are uh, bowing out of it again. So it's sort of, like, out for the time being but uh like i guess i guess it's a little disappointing to me hmm. but i wouldn't i'm not gonna lose sleep over it <laughs> <laughs> nor should you well we have a few responses all from twitter uh we're going to knee one says e3 has always meant a lot to me 
Having a preset time of the year to show off new Vigigame and Vigigame accessories has always been exciting since I was young, and a whole week when devs and console makers show off their latest projects is still worth getting excited about. Dude, I think he, he, Matt, he, he touches on something here. It does. Right. The reason E3 might not be doing so hot anymore, the lack of Kencha Hall. He says Vigigame accessories. Yes. We need an entire um, hall dedicated Kencha to Vigigame accessories. Kencha Hall. <laughs> Which I think I, I described like my first couple times going there. Like, if E3 is a kitchen sink, Kentia Hall is the drain where all this strange debris just sort of settles before it's flushed away, never yeah. to be seen again. So, you know what my Follow analogy is? all the red haired girls of the Nyko booth. You'll, hmm. you'll find it. You know what my analogy is? As a man who at one point in my 20s worked at a gym, I know, hard to believe, but true. Um, there used to be all those stores that would set up shop around the gym, like the vitamin shop and the tanning salon. And they right, were like yeah. the parasite, the leeches that hung on to the gym. And it's like, yeah, that, that's the companies that were hanging out in Kencha Hall. And they're like <laughs> roughly associated with the industry. Poor Kencha Hall. Oh, it's fine. But it's now fine. we've got we've got like VR porn simulators on the main show floor. <laughs> that, so. Dude, no, that, that is not okay. <laughs> it really isn't. It's so bad. Uh, at ZQ Adams T- TX, so Texas says, uh, it used to feel like a huge deal. One year, I, I'm giving him a Texas accent. Mm-hmm. One year, I even watched the Sony Kino in PlayStation Home. God help me. Oh, my God. <laughs> I remember that. Wow. I think the last I watched must have been 2016 because I remember being the only person in a chat actually interested in Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. It just seems needless now. Ooh, ouch. Harsh words. Isn't it weird that they haven't brought back PS Home and VR? Or have they? No, 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 nothing yeah, like that. Nothing official. No. I mean, that feels like a, a natural fit, but at the same time, I can totally see why they wouldn't do that. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm still slightly annoyed that for all the time that we had PlayStation Home, it never realized that initial promise of you can have, not only can you have a TV that will show videos in your apartment in PS Home, you can throw it downstairs and it will display the video depending on its orientation. <laughs> was, that, was that one of the initial promises? That was. They showed that off at a press conference and everyone was like, wow, and that never happened. <laughs> Look, as a dude who, like, writes feature lists for a living, <laughs> like, I want to be in that meeting like, uh, we can do this. Fucking put that on the box. Yeah, do, it. do it. Do it, do it, do it. <laughs> All right. Um, Chris, you want to read the last one? What was it? Uh, Blacksmith Gamer? That's mm-hmm. right. For me, personally, it's always been one of those things I've looked forward to every year. It also is on my bucket list of things I'd like to participate in. Right? Mm. You might want to hurry, Blacksmith Gamer. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it is open to the public now, so uh, go for it. Get in there. Get yeah. in there. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely glad I've been to one, but like, um, I, I still don't mind watching it from afar. I don't want to sound like I'm over it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I missed last year's and didn't know, even know that I did because mm. <laughs> I don't know that that's that felt weird to me. Really, mm. I didn't talk to anybody who talked who asked me about E three. I didn't go online that day. Holy fuck, my behavior mm. has changed. <laughs> Honestly, I th- I think the best time that I had at E three. So this is my advice on how to experience it if you go as a member of the public. Yep. Do not go by yourself. Uh, mm. I think I went to the first couple ones by myself, and it was a very disorienting experience. Uh, <laughs> the, the second or third one I went to, like I, I met up with someone who I made friends with, and we, we went to the show together. And like I had like a couple of appointments, 
And it was great. Like, I got to see whatever the show floor had to offer. I got to see a couple things behind the scenes. If you have the access to do something like that, great. Um, being a member of a of the games press and doing it, it can be exhausting. Because it's just like you're running from one end of the L.A. Convention Center to the other. Just doing appointment after appointment after appointment. Like, oh shit, I've got like five minutes to get... To, to, to walk literally a mile again and get to the next booth uh, for the next thing. So it's it's a little bit harrowing, and it can be really annoying when you see tourists walking very slowly in front of you. I, I mean, and you think like, oh, well, fewer companies are there, so they have less to cover. But it's like, yes, but all their publications are paying for fewer of them to go. And mm-hmm. so it's like never been harder to cover E3. And then for, if our responses to this question of the week are any indicator, like people are giving less and less of a shit about the show. Uh, yeah, I feel bad. Nothing will ever top the back-to-back-to-back announcements of Last Guardian is back, FF7 Remake exists, and Shenmue 3, 3 exists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember being in the hotel lobby at the... It's the hotel that Ubisoft uh, used to always stay at in... Um, Little Tokyo? That's, that's part of LA. It's like the Japan. It's like the Japan town of, of LA. But um, it was one of the hotels because uh, UB sent so many people that there's usually in, in a couple of hotels. But we were all watching the press conferences, and yeah, that press conference was going on, and everyone you could just tell worked for our company because they were completely losing their shit over like announcement after announcement after announcement. It's like, wait, did they just Shenmue three? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it was wild, dude. That year. I think you're right, Greg. I, th- I think that was kind of like yeah, it was a hard point, to talk. For sure, yeah. the, the yeah, new yeah, E3. Yeah. I was ho- such a holdout for Last Guardian. I like every year, every event. I was waiting for them to mm-hmm. re because they kept going out of their way to confirm that it was still happening. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I was like, uh, I believe it. You know, they wouldn't go out of their way to announce it. But, and then, like, I hate Shenmue. I think it's the worst. <laughs> but seeing it juxtaposed that way, I was like, uh, I get it. Like, this is their last Guardians. They're, like, the thing that's been vaporware for mm-hmm. the longest yeah. time. And by some bizarre miracle, it's happening. It, it was like mm-hmm. the ultimate fan service press conference. You know, it was like, yep, everything you yeah, want exactly. that you keep asking for, we're going to give to you. So, yeah. We're going to give to you. And now here we are. Uh, Shenmue sucks. Uh, Last Guardian came out as it was supposed to 10 years ago. And Final Fantasy yeah. is coming to Xbox. Well, that's why I think I was there. The follow was the following year where they debuted the new God of War and Death Stranding at the same press conference. Oh. And that was like, that was huge, man. That was, And that's why like Sony not going to E3 two years in a row. I, I, I feel like it's missing. Like a big piece of that show is missing that they're mm. not there, you know? Yeah, Sony has always been an essential part, like their press conference. Like, you you always get the big three press conferences, plus Ubisoft and EA on that first day. And and then the show begins. Like this is all important. You know, I'll be I'll be honest about the actual show and the show floor itself. That could go away and I wouldn't miss it. Like Mm. if if they just wanted to make E three the three streamed press conferences. I would actually be pretty okay with that. Honestly, the last few years, like, the show floor has been kind of underwhelming. Yeah. Like, as someone who's mm. been there and always makes an effort to go out there, like, it is becoming increasingly dominated by, like, 
smaller projects and like oh here's a, a game store that just like a, like a retro game store that just set up shop here in the middle of it it feels more Weird. like a convention show floor and less like here is where you will see the future yeah well and you know what's weird mm. is like we always give the santa monica year shit mm-hmm. and maybe they were just ahead of their time because oh i God. do still think there's a place for members of the press do need to get their hands on games at the show and that the Santa Monica thing was amazing for that because it's like, yeah, just come into this room. You're going to play this game demo. You don't, everything's close to each other, yeah. you know? Everything's in hotel rooms. Yeah. And so maybe, maybe E3, if this consumer angle they're going for and consumer experience angle doesn't work, like maybe now is the time that you just do press conferences and then those press hands on in hotel rooms and that's all you need. Like, cause, mm-hmm. cause now with, with things like, cause Twitch and YouTube and stuff, they weren't big back when we did the Santa Monica years. And so maybe, maybe it was ahead of its time and, and could work again. I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm done. I'm done going forever. <laughs> <laughs> all right. New question of the week. Uh, we will be counting down our top 10. Games, Games of, of the, the decade. decade next week. Mm. If you had to pick just one, one game that defines the 2010s for you, what would it be? And probably don't say Minecraft unless you come up with a really good argument for it. But uh <laughs> <laughs> what? That's... Like Anyone's choice one. is valid, Michael. Don't do that. No, nobody's choice is valid. Only my choices matter. I mean, clearly, no one fucking helped me out with Mario Kart worth a shit. <laughs> You guys care Jesus. about relevant games. Uh, yeah, so what? what is your big game of the decade? Um, uh, let's... I, I don't know. Mine, mine would be telling, because mine is also number one on next week's list but uh i if i if i have to winnow it down to just one that defines it i i'd have to say skyrim skyrim makes it for me like that was number one on my top five and i think for me that was the most defining game of the last 10 years and it uh, defined a lot of what i like about video games but someone else go so i don't know if this is my absolute number one but it's definitely on my top 10 list and it's so under celebrated that i feel like it has to be talked about sure lost planet 2 really here's the thing <laughs> unexpected this, this, game, this game tanked uh but part of the reason it tanked was because they were trying to they were trying to make a shooter with a monster hunter sensibility yes but it was before monster hunter was understood in the west and so what what they put out was a game that sounded like a Gears of War or whatever Space Marine shooter, but it felt nothing like any of the other ones that existed. Mm-hmm. And so all the shooter fans were like, what the F? Why doesn't this feel like every other shooter I've ever played? And that, that I mean, that was basically it. But... Um, I you know I, I wasn't even a Monster Hunter fan at the time, but like my friend was into this game, so he talked me into getting it. And what I, what I found was just like basically Starship Troopers the game, and I liked it right away. I get you, sir. But over time, what I learned is that it has this depth to it that it is sort of on par with Monster Hunter of the time where um, there's all this there's all this technical stuff you can do and there's all this really uh, like just minute attention to detail there's like dozens of mechs throughout the game that you can find and each one of them is a little different and each one of them has like little secrets and tricks for you to discover about like things they can do 
and um it's just you know it's a capcom game through and through so you know it it doesn't sell itself very well but if you stick with it for like 20 hours or if you have (laughs) or if you have a friend who knows how to like you know help you sift through all the crappy stuff and get to why it's good um you'll see that it's it's really in a league of its own and just an awesome action game with lots of depth and great art design and it's just i mean even at face value you're you're blowing away giant aliens and you have giant mechs so like there's a lot to love there and and yeah at the time the only context we had for like the four-person co-op shooter was gears of war it was pre-destiny and the whole squad shooter boom yeah oh and and it's yeah it's four-player co-op for the entire campaign it's one of the best co-op campaigns i would like to show a little bit of appreciation for i can only describe it as the loving shade that greg occasionally throws at capcom on these shows because it's like a man (laughs) who clearly is still a fan and loves their product but because he worked there kind of has that you know a little bit of like family yeah even off mic greg greg talks about capcom like a like a little brother That's exactly how I feel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I yeah, my my answer to this is going to be on next week's list. Uh, all I can say about the title, um, it's better than the good, it's better than the bad, and it's better than the ugly games on that list. Ooh, oh God, could it. it be? <laughs> I know. I think exactly, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I love Activision's gun just about as much as anybody, so I can't wait. It's to talk the about best. This. The the scalping <laughs> mechanic was maybe not a great touch, but uh, no. <laughs> otherwise it was a pretty great game. Uh, and 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 my I, the the stuff I would put on there, are things that made our list, and we'll be talking about next week. Um, shit, I don't know. I don't know that I have anything here that I uh, will not give away what we're talking about next next week. But uh, at least two it's agony game of the decade. Sorry, oh. go ahead. <laughs> Um, it's weird because like it, you know, what's weird is because like, uh, I don't know how many games you gave a 10, otherwise known as a perfect score. Of course. At, it means the, the game has Michael. no flaws. But none of them I nominated for, uh, ga- game of the decade. Hmm. Huh. And I don't think you did either. <laughs> hmm. Maybe Skyrim. Maybe Skyrim. Yeah. I don't remember if you, re- you reviewed Skyrim. I was at PC Gamer at the time. Yeah. Never, I, I think I remember a ten. I gave like Max Payne three. That never showed up on the list. But uh, okay. I love it. Really I love the exit wounds in that game. That's like Ooh. a. That felt like a level up for shooters. No, how many how many shooters have exit wounds? Like dynamic bullets going out of you. Physics. Oof. I'm gonna have to revisit that. Dude, Max Payne three fucking rules. Mm. It's really but cool. you know you know how I am. Uh, more playing, less story, and like. The Max Payne story appears through the load times, and it's just one undeniable fucking awesome shooting gallery. Never stops. And it's a game about failure. It's all mm-hmm. about your own personal failure. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and so is my life. It so resonates. I, yeah. Relatable. Yeah. feeling it. That game hits closer to home the older and older we get. <laughs> like, <laughs> Jesus. I'm just a decrepit drunk now. <laughs> it's like midlife crisis. I'm not game. decrepit. As Max Payne, I meant. But also in real life. Uh, uh, So, what is your personal game of the decade? Let us know. Go to VigiGameApocalypse.com. Answer to the comments for episode 351. Or ping us on Twitter at VGApocalypse. Let us know there. Or go to the official 
Laser Time community on Facebook. There'll be a thread there where you can answer. Uh, anyway, that has been our show. Let's go with some plugs. Greg, uh, where can people hear or see or read your stuff? Um, Gregory D. Moore on Twitter, but I mostly tweet about games on Lacquer Leaks. And right, I, Lacquer I, Leaks. I plug this every time I'm on. Uh, <laughs> La- Lacquerware is my quote brand end quote <laughs> name he always sounds so like <laughs> wearied when you say I, that this is the greatest thing about Greg let him go that's where I do all my serious writing about games uh, I'm on Tumblr lacquerware okay. um, yeah and I stream yeah. Twitch remember, lacquerware remember how I was saying he throws shade at Capcom he mm-hmm. throws way more at himself on this show yeah, don't, don't be embarrassed for it own it it's yours it's the, it's, it's the traditional Greg Moore undersell <laughs> I, and I on the download I work with Daigo Umehara a lot so Shit! It, if you like Street Fighter follow him because he's the bomb everyone likes Street Fighter and Daigo Umehara he's, he's a wise man I love him I like that the uh, this generation's my uncle works at Nintendo is I took a match off Daigo once <laughs> around that I've never didn't. done. <laughs> no, I don't know anyone who's really done that. Maybe Seth Killian. I don't know. <laughs> I'd believe that. Yeah, yeah. Chris, oh, am I plugging stuff? Fuck yeah, I am. Hell uh, yeah, you are. I meant to get this out way earlier because it was something I plugged a long time ago, but uh, Laser Time this week is all about pop culture through the lens of the NES. So if you have as much Nintendo nostalgia as my top five did, uh, you should listen to that because if you were a certain age and this can't be matched by any other console except for maybe a shitty mobile phone, if you were a little kid, we all get obsessed with toys, right, when we're young? Sure. You like the T-Man or the Transformers? Yep. But He-Man didn't introduce you to who the Three Stooges, Rocky and Bullwinkle, and Frankenstein were. And the Nintendo did. No, no, they did. And and uh, so you you end up, when something would hit the Nintendo, it felt like it was important. Like, maybe I've been casting too much shade at this Gilligan's Island. If it's important enough to have an NES game, certainly worth my time. You know what's <laughs> funny about that Gilligan's Island game? The developers mm-hmm. went on to create the Clock Tower series. Are you kidding? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. This is a lot. I, I didn't even know there was a Gilligan's Island game. Oh, yeah. yeah it's it's fucking is... terrible. But but just pop culture through the lens of the NES. Like, it, 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 it isn't just evocative of that era. It's just that, like how little entertainment we had. And it, I think what I do is I, you know, there's some fun. There's a dick load of fun sound eclipse in there. But, like, I try and come up with the, the equivalents. The equivalent of Gilligan's Island coming out on the NES is the, uh, uh, the equivalent of, like, um, a friends game coming to to Xbox One, like why would you would be like why the fuck is this happening? <laughs> yeah, why was that happening? Yeah, why are we why are we getting IP from the forties constantly on this nineteen this late eighties system? Yeah, and uh, it was a strange time, and it's it's a, we're exploring that with uh, uh, my buddy Adam from uh, from uh, Paducan, the arcade podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, which you can find out on the Laser Time Network. And uh, bonus time this week. We are following up our best subs. We've done best of TV, best movies, best movies of the, the decade, not unlike this show. Uh, we're going to follow up with a little bit of our worst of and pop culture rev- resolutions. Worst movies, TV, tech uh, moments um, of 20, 28, 2019 uh, on patreon.com That's for five bucks. Support this show, 30 2010 this week, which is uh, not talking about Tremors again. I forget what we're talking about, but Tremors rules. There's a really great vampire movie I can't wait to tell you about. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then we get, uh, you guys, I can't wait to talk about, I can't, 
Are we still want to do our uh, 30 2010 monthly game wrap-up show? Hell yeah. Yes. Just say the word. There is, I think, two games from the top 10 of the decade in uh, being released during this period. In mm. January of 2000... 1990, 2000, 1990. and 2010. Okay. Damn. Damn. Okay. All right. All right. There's your tease. Wow. Yes. I'm sorry if that was too much, but please support us. Uh, baby had to buy health insurance, and it's really given me a hurt. Mm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of giving the hurt, uh, you guys know I love the video games, but I love the wrestling as well. And this uh, month, wrestling. January, is the month of the Royal Rumble, my favorite pay-per-view. Dude, wait, is that this weekend? Uh, yeah, it is this weekend. Oh, and me. so what that means is my co-host T.L. Foster and I are going to be doing the Patreon-exclusive preview show of the Royal Rumble, which should be hitting this weekend before the show, because otherwise why do it? Uh, and then we'll be doing our review show after the event. Uh, so check us out. That is... The Laser Time Network's unprofessional podcast about professional wrestling, Cheap Popcast. We are on Twitter, at Cheap Popcast, and I am on Twitter, at Maddie C. Allen. As always, go to patreon.com slash lasertime to support this show and other shows, and visit us on Twitter, at VG Apocalypse, or me personally, at Wikipars, and I will occasionally post funny jokes and get into weird one-off battles with Seth Rogen. Uh... Mm-hmm. That's still so surreal. By the way, for the record, I thought that scene in the movie was like a self-aware gag all along. Like mm. they were making fun of movies not doing video games well. All right. Well, it's the only way it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But it, it worked out well. Whatever. Um, anyway, that's been our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Covered Lunchables, man. They're the shit. Lunchables are great. That's $2. not me. That's not, I'm not a fan. <laughs> no. They're the Joe Biden of lunch. <laughs> <laughs> I always found the meat like strangely like overprocessed and greasy. Yeah, it's, that's yeah, the beauty. Processed. Yeah. Inexplicably wet bologna with a couple yes, of Oreos. Yes, it was wet. The ones I can't do are the pizza ones. I can't go that yeah. far. Dude, I was discovering that's a generational thing because like my lady friend and Sarah are like, no, I like the pizza ones. I'm like those didn't exist when I ate these. Yeah. You, you like to co- you like one. to eat uncooked pizza? What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. yeah, for real. How can that be good? Pizza on a cracker? Fuck you. Yeah, with my cheese all nice, cold, and cubed. Mm. Mm -mm. I feel like Lunchables is like a. It like sums up the cult, like our our eating culture, like all the all the worst parts of our eating culture, especially the fact that charcuterie for kids. But it's it's like charcuterie in the most American, like processed, gross. Well, the reality is almost all food you eat is that processed. They're just more subtle about it than Lunchables. Lunchables at least fucking owns that shit. Lunchables is like, hey, kids, this fell out of a factory's asshole. Yeah.